2: Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. worldafropedia.com
3: A worker who accuses a no car repair shop of violating his rights says he has the racist recordings to prove it tonight.
4: You
2: can hear them for yourself. They are at the center of a federal civil rights lawsuit.
3: Only on 7 tonight, Aaron Baskerville is live in Novi with the story behind these allegations. Aaron?
5: Stephen, and Carolyn, you said it, a 21-year-old has now filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against this place right behind me in Novi claiming his civil rights were violated, seeking more than $1 million in damages and claiming he has all the recordings to back it up. Everybody's different. Don't, no matter the race. Except for Brown. Huh? Except for
6: the Browns. Not true. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. You just don't know
1: enough. You they are all disrespectful.
5: Racist and demeaning conversations all recorded by 21-year-old Ernest Garner, exclusively telling his story to Action News with his attorneys by his side. He claims these were all recorded while at work at Gerber Collision and Glass in Novi. At least four or five workers constantly degrading him. After quitting a few weeks ago, his nine-month stint over, he's now filed a federal lawsuit against the company, headquartered in Illinois, and his supervisor. He claims his civil rights were violated.
1: He said, I'd kill you if, if it wasn't racist, if everyone wouldn't think it was a race thing. Um will tar and feather you just like they did in back in the day. You
7: probably all around. Milk the What? black
5: what? Milk the Garner tells us he loves cars and thought he could move up at the shop on Novi Road and did. Promoted twice there, but alleges he never received a raise while his white co-workers did. His lawyer stressing he complained about the constant racist insults to higher-ups, but nothing was ever done, showing us a photo of the N-word scribbled on his car at work, claiming that was done by co-workers as well.
6: Next time you're going to do what? You're going to stab me? I didn't say that. Say, that's just a typical move. Typical move for what? Black dudes always stabbing, shooting. That's just me,
8: huh? <laughs> you don't like I here, aren't you?
5: We reached out to the company yesterday. Here's what they told us, quote, Gerber Collision and Glass only learned of this action late yesterday, meaning Wednesday, and as of today, meaning Thursday, we have not received a copy of the court filings. As such, we cannot offer any specific comment on that matter. The statement went on to say they have a diverse workforce. As for Garner, he says they have more than 166 recordings, but they have not gone through them all. Of course, we'll continue to follow this story. For now, we are live in Novi, Aaron Baskerville, 7 Action Aaron, News.
2: Aaron, i just got to ask you one quick question. Are these two guys who kept insulting this young man, or were there more
5: people? In those, in those recordings, I believe those are two separate guys. But uh, he's telling me four to five different guys have insulted him throughout his nine-month stay here, working here. So there are several guys that he's alleging have abused him. All
2: right, Aaron, we'll have to see how this one plays out. Thank you so much for the live report and the story.
3: Racial classification confusion. They're going to be doing a lot more of that. Black against brown. Talking about the Asians coming in. All your jobs are being sent to China, so you get mad at the Chinese. You pass Chinese on the street, you don't like him. Because it's only kind of them Chinese that I don't have a job. What time is it? Okay. All right do what now? Okay. So, don't get mad at them. They have not taken your job. The people coming across the border from Guatemala and all like that, they're trying to get you set up to have a big long fight with them. They are not taking your job. If I had a a job, you know, and they came in and gave three fellows from Mexico my job. All right? I know That they did not take my job. The white supremacists took my job. Don't forget that. And that's who you talk to about it. Don't go and get mad at somebody because they say, well, I'll come and work cheaper. Okay, he will. You will too. If you came from Waterloo. I mean, you you know, you you took everything that your family had to get here just to get a job mopping a floor, all right? And it ain't because the person that came to get that job is mad at you. So how did the person get the job? They got the job from the job getting place, and that is the white supremacists. They are the controllers of all jobs. So I've said this for years. You can't pay me by paying my brother. Don't work that way. If my brother is working, and I am too. See, I've told black people this for years. Don't get me mad at, you know, I'm talking about my blood brother and whatnot, and one by the same mother and all that. I go to the plant, and my brother just picked up his check. That's his check. We both work at the plant. And when I get there, they say, well, we can't pay you, Fuller." We gave your check to your brother. Now I say, no, you didn't. <laughs> say, well, now, I know you're going to be mad at him. No, I'm not going to be mad at him. You gave him his check, and he's he is entitled to his check. And so am I entitled to my check. So where's my check? And we're not going to talk about anything else except my check. Don't start talking about him. You ain't going to run that scam on me. I'm working, too. I have served you, too. All right? I'm serving you now. So don't tell me you don't have it, that you gave it to somebody else. No, it's impossible. So then I take it from there. Whether it gets rough or whether I decide just to back off. But I don't jump on the other fellow
4: context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date Thursday, August 18th, 2016. So, I have been told this is our weekly session on workplace racism. Uh folks, have commentary they would like to share if you have figured out some strategies that are working well for you. We definitely hope that you have the number on speed dial and can be one of the first people uh, to call in if you have strategies that are working successfully to minimize problems, conflict, write-ups, demotions, uh, dial in immediately. If you are quote-unquote self-employed, you should also be one of the first people to dial in uh, if you have experiences if racism uh, has been a problem for you and how that has been a problem if you are an entrepreneur I certainly would like to hear from you as well also always if you you know having some difficulties problems dial in let us know and if you have shared before always good to have the follow-up if you're having some difficulties if you uh, used any of the strategies that were shared on a previous program uh, or you came up with your own strategies. All of us have a brain computer. You came up with some things that you implemented. Uh, and Give us the update on uh, how things worked out for you. That would be super appreciated. Uh, just helping us all become better informed. Having better skill skills uh, with how to function uh, in the workplace environment. The number to dial is 641 715 four zero the code five six four nine four three pound press star six if you would like to participate the number again six four one seven one five three six four zero the code Five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. And certainly, you can drop an email. I know we have some folks. If you are unable to participate live, uh, if you have an update that you would prefer to email in, you can do that as well. Uh, you can email me untiljustice at gmail dot com justice at gmail.com. I make an effort to keep an eye on my email as we proceed through the broadcast. Uh, So if you would prefer to write in your commentary and share with listeners that way, uh, I will make sure we get it read on the air. Uh, I will emphasize this is not a spectator broadcast. This is not designed for folks to just get comfy for a couple hours and listen in. And hear some interesting stories or be entertained. Uh, This is about being actively engaged. I am certain if you are a non-white person, particularly if you are a black person, you are experiencing and or observing many different aspects of racism, white supremacy on your job on a regular, if not daily basis you should be able to share an observation and experience I've stated before. Some of our listeners have shared uh, particularly younger listeners. They don't have an extensive work history. So it's always helpful for them uh, to have folks who uh, are a bit more experienced to have a more extensive work history, uh, to be able to dial in, even if you can reflect back uh, on some of your previous problems, uh, run-ins that you've had on the job, maybe when you were a little bit more confused about racism white supremacy what it is how it works what happened and what you would do now given that you have a better understanding uh, of what white supremacy is and how you would function what you would say what you wouldn't say uh, dealing with the same sort of situation but certainly this is not a program uh, where you should feel uh, bashful or ashamed about sharing Uh, all of us uh, are being terrorized in all areas of uh, people activity this is just focusing on labor and again hopefully this Will help people figure out some strategies, so we can do a better job uh, knowing what to expect on the job, and then having some tools, some strategies to counter, neutralize racist man, racist woman, on the job. In that vein, uh, one of our listeners, Princess, she has dialed in pretty often uh, to share some of her experiences, policy and procedure. I think most recently when we heard that worked extremely well, just making sure that they were in compliance with their own written policy and procedure. Uh, but she uh, emailed, or she posted it on my Facebook page. Uh, there's a new gadget. I certainly am not uh, advertising because I'm not getting any of the profits. So this is not an advertisement. Uh, it's just there are a lot of options if you're looking for a means to record things that are said on your job. Right. That was in the audio clip you heard at the beginning of the program where young black male. Uh, he was hearing all of these racist comments. He was being terrorized on the job on a regular basis. And he just started recording. And they said he had about 160 different recordings uh, he's proceeding. That is documentation. Excellent illustration. But they have this newfangled gadget. They probably got lots of them. But They got this new gadget where it's it looks like a wristwatch right it looks pretty small you just put it on your wrist and it can record a 60 second snippet of audio and once it records all you have to do is tap it and it will send that audio to your uh cell phone it'll send it so it'll be saved uh stored there apparently uh it is constantly recording right it's constantly recording in a 60-second loop, and so all you have to do is tap it, and it will send uh, the audio that was just recorded. It will send that uh, to your smartphone, and then you'll have it saved there. So, if uh, you're looking for a device, I know they have all. Like I said, I'm sure they have all kinds of stuff. Uh, available that'll work with your smartphone or your iPhone or whatever piece of equipment that you have I'm sure they have all kinds of these gadgets and more coming uh, down the pike just can be uh, something that might be helpful for someone who's in a workplace situation that people are making a lot of comments and you want to have a record uh, of what is being said all righty we had one person who wrote something in, in advance this person has wrote in, and shared before uh, where they were this is a black female uh, she 's a doctor where she talked about uh, how white people on her job they were getting promotions and advancing where they weren 't even qualified to get these positions where she had more expertise more knowledge than they, but they were you know moving right on up the ladder as is expected. Uh, she also talked about. Uh, being mistreated, demeaned on the job, or they would give her a little menial uh, tasks to go out and, you know, be a courier, be a little errand runner and get this, get that. Uh, where she, you know, has way more skill expertise uh, than just to go out and be a little chauffeur uh, for the company. Uh, But when she shared, uh, I think this was like a month or so ago she shared, uh, she wrote in, I read her commentary. Some of the folks were saying, you know, uh, if you have that many, uh, that much, uh, education, you're a doctor. Uh, certainly you, it would seem that you're qualified to be able to get a job someplace else. And she wrote back in, uh, previously and stated, you know, it's not that easy regardless of how many degrees you have as a black person, victim of white supremacy, racists do not make it easy for you to relocate, change plantations. So she wrote in, uh, she said, uh, My follow-up to suggestions that I leave my job being a doctor does not equal being immune from racism. All throughout my education and career, racism has been there, but until recently, I was too confused to recognize it. Therefore, I do not take the decision to change jobs lightly. Although I could move on and be my own boss and start my own business or practice, there would still be white people to deal with. Insurance companies who decide whether a doctor is going to have any patients or not, they can include or exclude you on their list of in-network physicians, nurses, receptionists, medical technicians, and the anti-blackness that will come from those black people I might be able to hire. Still, it is something I am pondering. I just recognize it will not protect me from racism it being relocating to a new job. Recent activities on my job at the medical research company. Number one, I do not get many white people gossiping with me anymore. Maybe because I never provided any encouragement or response. But one white female did offhandedly state that it was really quiet at the office on a recent day. She laughed and said maybe they are going to fire someone. Apparently, according to her an unusually quiet or empty setting on our floor in the past has been a sure sign of someone being fired that day. I do not know if anyone got fired that day but someone else offered an alternate alternate ex- explanation which appear to have been correct. Number two I often have to work with a white female Jane. She's in a different department but her duties and my duties require us to work on many projects. She is not a doctor. A few months back, Jane and I had to travel to a business meeting. We had to take a train together. While at the train station, I noticed that Jane would turn and spin around, being very vigilant, trying to maintain a 360-degree view of her surroundings whenever a black male passed by us. She was like a helicopter. I was very amused and felt comforted that I had maintained my suspicion that she is a white supremacist. While at the train station, she also whispered to me that I think that person is checking you out. I'm not sure if it's because they're into you or what. In I laughed and said, was it a man? because I did not notice. After I said that, I realized that as a racist white supremacist, she probably was disappointed that I was not embracing anti-sexuality. My final story about Jane happened today. She now has an intern working with her, Alice, also a white female. I had noticed long ago that Jane avoided using my title, and I don't think she ever called me doctor. Instead, always using my first name, I believe this was racism. Today, while meeting with Alice, she told me that because Jane only mentioned me by my first name, Alice assumed she had never met me before. Alice and I have worked together many times before and she always called me doctor. Apparently, she didn't even know my first name. Based on Alice's confusion about who I was, I believe this is evidence that Alice is particularly surprised by the overt level of racism exhibited by her boss, Jane. I also believe that Jane is teaching Alice exactly how it is acceptable to be racist on the job. At the end of our meeting, Alice asked me how I wanted to be addressed. I told her either my first name or doctor was fine. I didn't want to tell her to call me a doctor because I assume she will tell Jane and I'm certain Jane would continue using my first name. Thanks for sharing this with listeners. I hope it will illustrate that having a high level of education will not protect black people from racism. This doesn't mean black people should not get an education. Learn what you can earn what you can, and find a way to do something constructive with the money and information the racists allow you to have. For sure. Uh, with that, uh, we will get to the phone lines. The number again, 641-715-3640. The code is 564 564- nine four three pound press star six if you would like to participate uh... folks that dialed in with a hand up uh... line should be open i want to make sure i get this in as well please do not wait until the last minute i think the format for the program has been similar for years now do not wait until the last minute that does burn my grits when people wait until we're right at the end of the broadcast and then they dial in and decide that they want to share. Go ahead and get your hand up early, now preferably. That way we can get everyone in and not have folks sliding in at the last moment to say that they have something they would like to share. Thank you kindly. Folks who dialed in, lines should be open. Feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir.
8: Uh greetings everyone. Uh first first and foremost I just wanted to say I may have been one of those people who gave a uh incorrect uh quick fix type of uh solution to uh, uh the doctor's uh workplace racism problem. Uh and I should know better. Uh in my mind. Uh because Ash and I think she was right on in what she had to say. Uh, about uh, her personal experiences and how uh, tough it is to uh, remedy and or come up with a solution to uh, her workplace racism problems. Uh, it is all across the board uh, very hard for non-white people, black males and black females, uh, under the system of racism white supremacy to... Uh, navigate through uh, uh, the people activity of, of employment no matter what your status is no matter uh, how much of uh, credentials are next to your your surname uh, matter of fact in some cases it may it may be even more detrimental with uh, with one who has uh, degrees and you know many certifications because uh for uh, instance, with uh Chief Phillips when he came on the program on what he uh, went through is uh, an example uh, the President of the United States uh, and what he went through. Uh, I was just asked on on uh, my job as a high school football coach oh uh coach why why didn 't you uh become a captain? Uh, you got a lot to say uh and you could have uh Uh, 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 help people uh, uh, on the job. And and, and I I mentioned those examples. Uh, I didn't mention a doctor, but I mentioned the examples of the president of the United States and what he goes through on a daily basis as a black male. Uh, And also uh, chief Phillips and what he went through and how he was actually forced off of his job due to uh, uh, assisting uh uh three non white black males to keep their job. They said, okay, well, well, you they they can keep their job, but we're gonna get you off of the job. Uh and that's basically what they were able to do with uh Chief Phillips. Uh last but not least, a little a little bit of remedy uh that occurred uh recently. Uh as I've stated, i I have been a uh, football coach for a, a pretty pretty much a long time, what's considered to be a long time, since nineteen eighty one. And so it's not unusual on some of the things that are not necessarily written on paper to do that you have to do. I purposely make it my business to be in, in the capacity of non white black males. Uh and I have been under the uh on the staff Every staff that I've been on, except for when I've uh, maybe the first three or four years that I've been a uh, high school football coach, the head coach was a black male. The head football coach was a black male. I will not be on a staff if the majority of the coaches are not black males. I won't be on that staff. And I've recently I've been for about the last twenty years uh, with the same. uh, black male who's the head football coach, and so we know one another pretty well, and uh, 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 and uh, so we uh, kind of like function, have a a very uh, business like function. The business part comes first, uh, and that has to be maintained. But uh, last but not least, just wanted to say that some of the things you got to do, you you have to come out of your pocket and 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 help to help these these children out by paying for the insurance. Uh, The parents may not have it. Uh, Or, uh, for instance, what I did to uh, uh, yesterday, I think, uh, the mother, you know, is working. You know, parents are working uh, during this time of year, and they don't have the time to come off of their job to do these things. So sometimes a coach would would do do it for them. In other words, Mr. Fuller mentions about the replacement of white supremacy, racism, is a system of justice. And he gives the meaning of the, of the, of the word justice, which is guaranteed that people are no longer being mistreated and guaranteed that people who need the most help get the most constructive help. Now with that last part, that's what, that's what we, we should, when opportunity permits itself, give that opportunity to. And that's what I do with those young people, uh, giving them the, the best help that I can give them, the ones who need it. And you have to be able to know something about them, know, know what their hardships are, their, their their direct personal hardships are, by communicating with them. Uh, I, I, he- I hear a lot of legitimate criticism about sports, but basically it's a people activity, entertainment, and as I mentioned, I use it to really get to know the people that I'm in contact with. And as I mentioned before, young black males and really get to know some, some things about them personally. So whereas whatever I can do to to help them along the way, because someone did that with me and it was under sports. Uh, and uh, uh, so I try to do the same thing also. And I was able to accomplish that with a uh, with uh, young person uh, yesterday, which is not uncommon that, that the opportunity is always around to do that. And I'm just mentioning an example since Gus asked about uh some remedies and whatnot that can be applied in the people that could be employment. That's all I have to say. Thank you.
7: Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh I just had a question. Um, I was trying to figure out like um she guys gave me like the best suggestion on what should you do if you catch a... Uh, the usual suspects, I got to be kind of coded in my uh, language because I am on the plantation. But if you catch them like staring at you in a way like they want to approach you and do something to you, uh, I, I don't want to use the, the street term, but like, um, like grilling you per se, like you catch a few of them doing it like randomly, not all together, but like if you see someone doing it in one area, then you go to another area and you see someone doing it, like how should you go about, uh, trying to
4: ignore that may i help you i think that's uh that's pretty codified i think that would be difficult for uh any harm to result in and you get to stay in the question lane which i I always encourage but if you notice that it's just regular uh staring if it's from one person or i think you said even if it seems like it might even be more than one person and they're just doing some staring trying to look at you tough uh may i help you And see if they respond, if they, you know, nope, just, you know, staring or what have you, wasn't even paying attention or what have you. Oh, okay. And see if that, if that interrupts the, uh, if that interrupts the behavior. If it continues, I would just ask again, may I help you? It seems like, you know, your eyes seem to be focused in this general direction. Did you need something? Is there something that I can assist you with? Again, you again you get to stay in the in the question lane, and I don't think I don't think you could get in trouble for asking those type of questions. May I help you? Is there something you need assistance with? Just trying to understand so we can move forward with our day.
7: Okay, because I I find myself like I said, I grew up in a rough neighborhood, but I'm I'm accustomed to like when someone look at me like that, I feel like they're going to do something. So (laughs) generally, sometimes I'll stare back, and they'll look away immediately. But like if I just catch them from my peripheral, and I'm like, all right, I want to see how long this guy's going to look. And if I look over, then like I said, immediately, like they'll pretend that they were looking at something next to me, or start like fiddling with their fingers and stuff like that. And um, I guess uh, I can give you guys an update on Saturday about um, my therapy session and uh, <laughs> how me and my family uh participated in some um counter um racist um productivity um in Vegas. But, uh, that
4: should be about it grand. We will certainly look forward to the update, uh, this weekend, uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, feel free to, uh, to chime in. And certainly if, if folks have other suggestions for, uh, the office staring, uh, if you have a, a strategy or technique, uh, to eliminate that without causing any more problems, feel free to share that as well. Um, oh, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, boss. Good evening. Sure. You can go first. Go ahead,
9: bro. All right, thank you. Um, I just wanted to chime in on the previous caller. Um, Yeah, I think uh, in a situation like that, um, I would want to be very cognizant of that simply because I don't trust white people. So if they're grilling you like that and they're looking at you in a way in which you're getting those vibrations, because, you know, I come from the streets too, so I understand, you know, I know what that's like. Um, I think Gus gave you a great, a uh, brilliant suggestion as far as keeping it in the question lane. is also keeping it work-related, but also on a subconscious level, you're letting them know that you see them without it being confrontational. So I think that's really good. Um, I wanted to ask, have you had any encounters with these people? First, how many of them there are, and have you had any other encounters with them besides the, um, the, the staring situation?
7: Um, uh, <laughs> previous um, arguments? um with certain people and then I I've caught like they said like late codified things from, um like years ago. But like I said since I've been listening to the cows I've been uh <laughs> I've been more aware of like um what they might mean when they say certain things. So then like you said I'll stay in the question lane but I never had like any um like physical conversation. And it's always like something verbal that they'll say that I'll, I'll text them on, or I'll question them on, and then they'll change it up real quick. Um, but yeah, that, that's exactly why I like I kind of give them that look back because I'm thinking in my head like, if you want to do something, do it now, because that's kind of how I feel. But that's not the, the proper way to handle it.
9: I agree. Um, I wanted to ask, too, do they all, are are they, do they collude with each other? Do they, do you see them speaking to each other at all? Or do they have, like, a relationship with one another? Because I have a feeling they might be, um, you know, colluding behind, behind your back to coordinate this sort of psychological terrorism.
7: Um, To be honest with you, I am public enemy number one (laughs) on the plantation. It's like a lot of people know who I am that I don't even know who they are because of things that I say in the past, like um, like I said, I used to have outbursts years ago if someone said something to me, then I, I'll just tell them, "Hey, exactly what I thought." But now I'm a little bit more fortified. They know that, and <laughs> I guess that kind of scared them too. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, like they're really not um, like all in the same area, but it is kind of like um, a horseman effect, if you will. They they thought it could be a guy on i on the west wing, and someone the way on the um, other side of the building. And yeah, the word to get back quick. That guy is uh, one that you need to keep your eye on.
9: Okay, because I was going to say, well, it, now it kind of makes sense because um, from what you're saying, it seems like you were previously counter racist, but like you said, less codified. And you know, as far as when they would attack you, you always had a response. So now that you have transformed your behavior, I think it has them nervous because like Gus has always said, and it's something I've said too on quite a few occasions, um, any abrupt shifts in behavior, especially where you are a talkative or an outgoing person, and then you start to become more introverted or, or less talkative simply because you understand that the less you say, the less you're giving to your enemy. Um, that puts them on super, super high alert, so it makes sense that you're getting it on all of those levels. I think, um, also, have you documented these incidences? Like, the incidences where they're staring at you, the incidences where they've talked to you out of your name or said something under their breath that you've had to address. Have you, like, kept a, a journal of all of those incidences, or at least, even if not, you know, earlier before you became codified, as once you start to understand the system? Have you started to keep a journal?
7: Uh, Some things I have. To be honest with you, some things I haven't. Um, I'm trying to get a lot better than that, uh, better at that. Um, And some things I've also discussed um, in the therapy sessions. So, um, again, like I said, I'm I'm trying to get a lot better. (laughs) I am still learning. It's a a critical process when you're learning under pressure, but it kind of helps because um, it gives you better strategies and you're actually in the field dealing with it versus just um, hearing about it and then trying to figure out what to do when you, when you actually um, are encountering that, that level of um, stress. So it, it kind of helps, but um, yeah, I just have to get better uh, documentation.
9: And do you work with any of them directly? Like where you have to actually work with that, with any of them specifically in a close quarter scenario?
7: Uh, a few of them, yes. Yeah. Um, like the the current position that I have now, I can uh, m- move around. I'm I'm mobile. But before, um, I was like actually on a production line where <laughs> it was like crazy. So,
10: yeah.
9: Because I was going to say, be careful too. Because if you do have to work, especially like you're saying, production line situation, stuff like that, I'm sure that there could be, you know, you might be, um, there might be situations where you can get hurt, or God forbid, something potentially life life threatening, because you might be in a warehouse or some sort of production facility. So I was going to say, just be careful, because they, you know, they could always try to set you up with something like that. Um, I do wish you all the best, and please give us an update. I'm looking forward to that. But um, I think Gus gave you the best advice to remain non-confrontational. But like I said, let them know that you see them and then like like you said the next thing is just to really um to to focus on documenting every little detail as much as possible and maybe that device that Gus talked about might be helpful. Um, it's something I'm interested in finding out more about myself because I just think it's something that might help you, especially if you are in a situation where you're not able to write a lot of things down because you're on a production line. I don't know if you're at a desk or something where you might not have access to like you know a computer or a pen and paper. Um, that sort of device might be better too simply because you said they say things in a clandestine manner but they'll say some slick stuff to you so at least you'll have that verbal record, I would say. Um also I just wanted to chime in on the first the letter you read. Um it sounds like Jane um is literally uh, Alice is a racist in training and Jane is basically showing her um what the rules are, how white people are supposed to treat a black female doctor who is not supposed to get the respect that's due. She's supposed to be treated like a nigger. So um I think the the female um really has a, a good understanding as far as her um, understanding that leaving that environment is not necessarily gonna be, you know, some sort of uh, elixir for the situation. But um I I would just say the the I I would just say just watch her closely because I'm sure you're gonna see an acute shift in the way Alice this Alice person deals with you simply because Jane is indoctrinating her with uh how to treat this, 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 uh, female doctor. And I do wish you all the best cause that must be a seriously hellish scenario. And, um, I do have some workplace updates as well, but I'll meet my line and give uh, Thomas and the others a, t- a chance to speak. Thank you so much.
7: Hey, uh, Gus, if I may, could I, um, also share, um, another portion? Yes, sir. All right. Um, what Ross said is, is, um, 100% correct. Being on the production line, um, about a year ago, I was on a production line and we were installing the radiator and uh, I don't I don't know if you guys are aware of how big the, the fans are for a truck, but they're extremely big and they're completely made of metal. I had my hand inside and I was drilling in a bolt and the guy started up the truck without yelling starting up and he could have cut from um, my elbow. Um, Well, basically, I would have lost the whole arm. Um, And that right there, let me know I I wasn't safe on the line. So um, I told the union about it. Again, like, they're all in cahoot. So they basically told me I did something wrong, but I got off the line. So, yeah, that was pretty
11: much it.
9: Yeah, I thought about it. These white people will, um, if there's a situation where they can use the job itself as a means to assault or kill you or set you up to be hurt in a way where you could have lost your arm, they will do it. So that's why I I asked if you were working closely with any of them in a situation like that. That can be very, very dangerous. So I'm glad um, that you didn't get hurt and um, that you remain cognizant, especially when you're in the presence of
4: these people. Thank you. And I'll meet my line war on the job folks keep that in mind because that sounds like the sort of situation where they would have deliberately injured you mauled you for life and then blamed you for it oh you didn't follow policy and procedure that's that's what happens see that's why i can't have you niggers on doing this type of work because you're just not doing what you're supposed to do and ended up losing your arm tough breaks that's the type of thing that they generally do with black people um so certainly that is Uh, Something that we should keep in mind, particularly if you're working in any sort of job where it's dangerous, uh, where it's not just an office job and you're just sitting around with, you know, a keyboard and a stapler all day long, anything that is dangerous, you should really keep that in mind. That should be enough to keep you sharp, consistently vigilant and really taking it seriously that I am working with people that are an enemy to black people, me specifically, and having that in the forefront of your mind in terms of how you function at all times. I mean, for that for those types of jobs it's way beyond just them tampering with your food or deleting something from your calendar like I could die I could be seriously harmed by these racists and done deliberately to injure me to you know maim me for life that sort of thing I mean take this extremely serious because I'm sure that sort of thing has happened repeatedly I'm even remembering medical apartheid where black got injured on the job and whites did the exact same thing blamed it on them and no workers compensation they ended up being hurt for life and you know just had to deal Deal with it. Can I be heard? Yes, sir.
12: Uh, good evening, Gus. Good evening to all the callers, Wow, again. Um oh, man, that last little segment kind of changed my Okay, you know, the first part um, but you know, I, I I think that um having been put in a situation where I didn't feel as though like people were staring at me and my uh, immediate reaction. I I think it's just a part of my personality is I smile and walk over and ask them how they doing. <laughs> how you doing? And they usually, you know, caught off guard and they talk and, you know, the next time I walk in they'll say hi instead of staring. Um but, you know, it seems like he's been at the workplace for a while and they have some types of grips with him and um trying to cut your arm off Ooh, man, I'm glad you got off of that part of the job. That could have been catastrophic. Man, I once try a job, looked there for a whole year, had this um had this thing in the wall where they said, you know, you could deliver packages from one floor to another and it just, you know, put the floor in, but we couldn't touch it. No one told me why. These machines are on all day and you go to your little room and you pick up the paper because you know, you do a run every half an hour so you got a little time to kill. And, um, I wondered why this machine was on Every time I asked someone, they gave me, like, the brush off. And then, finally, when they decided they were going to put the machines back on, it was after they paid the family of the last guy whose job, the place I took. He died because he, he, um, they blamed him for it, stuck his head in the machine, they said, and then, um, came back and caught his neck and choked him to the And, um didn't tell me that for a whole year and i was like you know i'm working with mostly black people like you swore not to say anything man and i was like wow you know but um yeah it is man and they'll blame you but they paid his family i think three million dollars but um he's 22 years old for the kid who died and um young guy either way the first um letter um I don't know, man. I I have mixed feelings. There's no way you're going to go in this country or in this world and not deal with white supremacy, uh, workplace included. Um, I just, like, I look at people who are doctors, like you have a special skill. And uh, I'm not sure the environment that the doctor is, the people he's servicing. But I think my response the first time was, you know, come to an area like Harlem, we need black doctors, you know, like, if you're going to take that abuse, you know, go do it for your people. Go do it where you could be making a difference. You're getting abused, but you're making it so someone else isn't being abused by one of the white doctors when they come to you. Um, you know, I remember taking my kids to the doctor and finally we found a black doctor for them. And the lady just looked at them. She pulled up my daughter's hair And she said, oh, their their neck is real dark. Now, that's really signs of diabetes. I would switch their diet and she gave us all these pamphlets. Went to these other doctors. They never gave us any information like that. Like, it was so, like, man, that lady was only there for a few months and she left. And it's just, like, no other black doctors around. And it it just could make a huge difference, I think. If you're going to take that abuse, take it for your people. I don't know where that person's working. So I I don't know if they probably are doing it
4: for the people, but that was my my thing when I said it the first time. Right on. She can share additional feedback if she is so inclined uh, in terms of uh, what she does. It sounds like she's doing research, though, not necessarily working directly with patients. I think she's she's emphasized that a few times. It's not like she's actually treating folks and that sort of thing, but... uh, other folks who uh, have comments, uh, they would like to share either on any of the commentary that we've heard thus far from different listeners, or if you have your own situation that you uh, would like to share, uh, feel free to go ahead dial in. Your line should be open if you dial in with a hand up. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am.
2: Good evening, everybody. Um, A few things on a little bit of what everyone said. Um, I work as a corporate concierge and a property assistant for a property management company company in a commercial building. So I spend a lot of time um, just in front of people's faces. And uh, it used to bug me a lot because uh, white people would just stare. Like they'll come in the door and stare. And when I was new, it was something I had to get acclimated to. Like, they'll just walk in the door and be staring or come around the corner from the elevator and be staring or come from the mail room and be staring. And then it reached a point where I was like, we've been doing this now for a year and a half. You know where I'm at. So what they'll do is they'll, like, stare and say, you know how you can feel someone looking at you? So then I, like, look up because I feel someone looking at me, and then they look away. Like, they do this, like, neurotic behavior. So then I started to um just stare back. Mainly because I wanted to see what would happen, just to see, you know what I mean? Um, and so I do sometimes, like, depending if I know this person is not, like, acclimate, like, you know, if it's their first time in the building they're here for a meeting, of course, I'll hit them with the how can I help you. But if I've been, like, saying good morning to you for the past year and a half and I've seen you for so long and you do the same thing, like, stare at me and then when I look at you, you look up, you look down to the left or right or anything, I just keep staring. Just so I, like, because I want to see, I, I don't know what I'm expecting to see, but I just stare back. And then sometimes they'll keep staring at, <laughs> I'll just stare back and make them look away. I don't, you know, that may not be codified behavior, but I do do it um, because I've gotten very frustrated with it. Some of the gazes um, are aggressive. Some you can tell because I call it glitchy behavior. Like I can see them start twitching in their face and stuff. Um, Some of it is like sexual, like people, you know, doing that kind of thing. Um, But I'll just stare back because I don't I'm tired of being made to feel uncomfortable by somebody else's gaze, especially, like I said, if we've done this dance so long. Um, But, yes, that's one thing. And then it's funny that you read or thank you for reading, I guess, the woman who shared her story, because um, I'm currently in the process of going to med school. And um, at first, it was the conversation was always, well, I'll become a doctor, and then nobody could tell me what to do. That was when I was um, a little less aware, uh, and I had a murkier understanding of racism and white supremacy. And then I was like, well, and I remember hearing a story of a woman who worked for the government. She was a doctor. I don't know if she was a medical doctor, but she had her doctorate, and they all went on this um, retreat. Someplace. And they're all like, you know, rather distinguished people. Um, but she was the only black person. And they go on this retreat and they ask her to clean the toilets. Um, and so I thought about that. I mean, here's a woman who's accomplished, you know, whatever it is in terms of getting degrees and stuff. And they still asked her to uh, clean the toilet. So when you shared the story, and I agreed with the, the, the gentleman that just spoke about, um, you know, being a doctor who treats people for your people because unfortunately I didn't get to read medical apartheid with you all, but I'm catching up. And um, I thought about the same thing. Like if I'm going to be a doctor and I want to be a doctor, a psychiatric doctor specifically, being able to provide services to and for non-white black people um, from, and from a healthy perspective um, within the context of racism, white supremacy. But um, I'm glad that she shared that that way. I don't become disillusioned thinking, you know what? I'll become a doctor and then it'll all not go away, but at least be better or I'll be able to say shut up or anything like that and um, stifle that behavior or niche it or knock it out or anything like that. No. Um, And um, and there was one other thing that I wanted to share that was like a personal, I'm kind of forgetting. Maybe I'll come back because I don't want to take up too much time, but thanks for taking my call.
4: Yes, ma'am. I'm sure it'll come back to you. I am reminded, God bless the dead, Dr. Sebi. Uh, don't think, I think Thomas did uh, state this, but just for emphasis uh, and remembering Dr. Sebi. Uh, don't think if you are a black person and you get in the health care industry and you're going to try to help black people, help black patients and help them uh, take care of their health as best you can under these conditions. Don't think that racism, white supremacy will not deliberately uh, obfuscate and make that a very difficult endeavor as well uh, i think there's a lot even dr francis chris welsing i think could also uh attest to that recognizing uh two folks that we lost this year unfortunately um and i did also want to get in uh i think thomas in new york the suggestion that he had about the the if there is a suspected racist who is doing some staring on the job the speaking verbally acknowledging them and not in a hostile or confrontational manner. But let's say, let's say, we'll just say Bob, this person's there. Uh, the morning, Bob afternoon, Bob, uh, and immediately going to something workplace. I said, that's something that I encourage. If there's going to be some chit chat on the job, it's going to be job related. We're just not going to be talking about, you know, an athletic contest or some gossip, you know, what party we were at for the weekend. Uh, but, asking a question or talking about something job related. And that's it. I think accomplishes the same thing where you are acknowledging you're pointing out that I see that you are staring in my direction. I think that also would probably dislodge, uh, some of the, the staring and focusing in your direction. If you are verbally, uh, calling them out and plus other people can hear that you're talking to this individual that's doing the staring. I think that would probably be constructive as well. Uh, other folks who chimed in, who have a hand up, have commentary you would like to share? I remember. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Just really quick. And then I'll be quick. Um, So last year, this I'm going on two years in September. And so this will be my second summer. Summer is my favorite time. I love to be outside. Like I love the hike. I love the whitewater raft. I love to go to the beach, like climb the mountains, you know, the whole shebang. And um, again, I was far less codified and had a far murkier understanding of race and white supremacy. So I would go out, and I would, like, do these things, and I'd be, like, just thrilled about it, like, geeking off of it. And they'd be like, so how was your weekend? And I'm like, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe I went whitewater rafting. Oh, my God, it was so great, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they was like, well, how was your weekend? I they like, oh, my God, it was so great. I'm like, Camp, you know, I kept doing, you know, being very honest about all these, what I consider to be pretty awesome things because I love summertime and I love being outside. So then um, I began to, like, notice a change and these white people's behavior, you know what I mean? Like, also, I registered their glitchiness. Like, I'm very, like, I pay very much attention to nonverbals. Um, and so, like, I would say something, and I'd, like, watch their jaw tighten or watch, like, their lip, like, do this quivering thing or, like, the shiftiness in their eyes. And I was like, these people are not... But And I'm thinking, well, you come from this area, like, you're out here, you're outdoorsy, I'm thinking you're going to even, you know, have done these things and then be happy to talk with me about these things. Well, one thing I learned is that they hadn't done these things. So then they felt some type of way. And then, um, and because it you know, I could see the whole process. So then I was like, and then since then, they're always like trying to ask me stuff, like get in my business, try to know what I'm doing, where I'm going and all that kind of stuff. And then they'll have like these 40 and flip kind of things. Um, like for instance, just really quick, I, um, got my motorcycle license, got my motorcycle license. And, uh, this is, again, I was father's code five and I was like, so excited about it. Like I even made a, the picture on my computer screen, like my baby, my bike. And, um, one day they were like, they keep asking me to ride it. We'll see writing it where I'm at is totally different than writing it in the major city that I work in totally different environments. I got back roads versus highways in urban city, DC. And then one day he, um, Like he just slipped and was like, yeah, I hit a girl on a bike. And I was like, hmm, (laughs) I wonder, did you want that to be me? You know what I mean? Because I keep telling you, you know, I will say I'm not comfortable riding in the city. No, I'm not bringing my bike, whatever. And so there was all this pressure. Like every moment they're trying to force me to ride my bike. I'm like, who does this? You know what I mean? I just said I got my bike. I ride it around my country area. I'm cool with it. What's up with the pressure to drive it up here? And then one day he's like, yeah, I hit a girl on a bike. And I was like, hmm. That's exactly why I didn't ride my bike, so back to this whole like outdoorsy thing, so um this my birthday is just some, so they know this is like the time that I, you know I'm taking off and all that, and they're all really, really pressed. so what did you do? What did you do? you know, and note, and I already know that you guys aren't one of the naive things I think that I've done, um and I think maybe or, uh, many other non white black people do is assume that um number one that if you have something in common with white people, that they'll like you more or that um, that thing in common will kind of lessen this whole, you know, black and white thing, um, or they'll be less racist. And then number two, if you have something in common that, or if you do something good or good for you, that they'll be happy for you um, or share in your happiness. And that's, like, nobody does, whether they're white or black. Like, really, nobody really wants, overall, I would I like to I'd say um, that they'd actually be happy for you and be happy that you're happy. So I learned that really quickly um, because then a whole lot of drama ensues So I just lie now. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I did everything, but I just lie. So I guess one of my codified, and it was in the 48 laws of, you know, power too. Sometimes you just got to lie. Even, you know, just say, nope, I didn't do anything. Oh, it was a regular weekend. How was yours? And let them brag and shine and feel like it's all great. That way you don't get their evil eye on you. That's one of the things I learned. Like, in an environment, you just can't shine that bright if you're trying to be strategic and make certain maneuvers. Because if you shine too bright, they do things, I feel, to bring you down or make your life more difficult or begin to have all these, like, jealousy or envy or, you know, these things. And you can see it in their, like, you know, nonverbals and all that kind of stuff. So that was one of the things I learned. Just lie. And um, mind your business (laughs) and, and don't get all talkative with them. The good morning will do, and just keep it all on the work. I'm 100% with Mr. Gus on that one. I engage in no frivolous conversation at all. But that was it. Okay, thanks.
4: For sure, for sure. Context of white supremacy. Other folks that we have not heard from, if you all had commentary you would like to share, feel free, chime in. The number again, 64171536. 40 and the code is 564943 pound. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. This is not a spectator broadcast. Can I be heard? Yes, sir.
1: Okay, good evening everyone. Um I have a story to to share. Um, I'm a poet. I uh, perform my stuff, so I'm more like a spoken word artist. And uh, about a month ago, I entered a competition, a poetry slam that had a mix of uh, people, both as uh, slam poets as well as people in the audience. But the venue is run by um, two black men, and the the day of the poetry slam i uh perform some poems that deal directly uh with racism um in fact, one of the poems mentions uh uh verbatim I, I say the context of uh of white supremacy um so that plus plus some other things um i think uh in that poem or in in a few of the poems that i that i did that night um, may have like shook, uh, the, the owner up because although I won the competition, um, I came in, uh, first place with the, with the three poems that I did. Um, there were probably about, maybe about six, uh, white poets and following the event, following the whole competition, they had a, they threw an open mic. So, I, I, they wanted, actually, um, people to come out and showcase their talent. And uh, I was down. So I went out there. And I got to the venue, went inside, exchanged pleasantries, all of that. And met for the first time the security guard that works with the two black men. Now, the security guard is Caucasian. And I I started a conversation with him um, shortly after getting there. Um, but just prior to that, the the one of the owners um came to me uh sh- shortly after I got there and everything, and he said to me, kind of pulled me to the side after he walked out of the his office. And just kind of whispered into my ear. Um, but to paraphrase it, watch what you say, because you're, you're turning away the white patrons. We don't want you to say anything that's going to turn them away. So basically, if you could pick, you know, you know do some poems that, that don't offend, you know, that, that don't make anybody feel uncomfortable in their skin while they're sitting here and checking all this out and i didn't expect that um number one because anyone that knows about poetry spoken word it's self-expression it's a lot of standing in your truth and creating art based on your reality based on your experiences and you would think that the 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 owner of the venue putting all this on, you know, not only understands that, but would want to secure that, preserve that. And, um, I was caught off guard also because after the poetry slam that I had entered,
10: like,
1: he came to me directly and expressed how much he, he loved my poetry because of the content. In fact, his words were people need to hear you and he wanted to find out how we could stay in touch to possibly do some more work together. He he said um, I would love to feature you here. So when he told me that I was I was surprised, I was shocked, I was kind of taken aback, and um all I could say was Really? Um, Okay. Um, But then I wondered, you know, if if, if somebody had come to him directly. So I asked him, you know, did somebody come to you and and actually tell you that they were offended, that they they felt a certain way and wouldn't come back or told you you needed to change something? And um, he said, uh, he said, no, no, nobody really. Nobody came to me or anything like that um but his security guard had mentioned something to the effect to him and that's it that's my story thanks for listening
4: i'll meet my line hmm interesting interesting uh i would have maybe asked uh why white people would be uncomfortable or uninterested in uh, continuing to patronize his establishment based on what you have to say. And like pinpoint specifically what I stated that would make white people. And it sounds like if he said white people, white people exclusively uncomfortable about what I said and why would they be uncomfortable about that? Those might be questions that, you know, I would ask if you're so inclined Other folks uh, who had commentary they uh, would like to share, based on what they've heard from some of our other listeners, or if you have your own workplace uh, racism situation that you want to discuss, feel free to chime in. I will again encourage if we have entrepreneurs, if you are quote unquote self-employed, certainly would be good to hear. Uh, if racism, white supremacy has been a problem for you. Uh, in whatever business that you are operating. Uh, if it has not been a problem, then you should have been one of the first people to dial in because uh, we would certainly uh, appreciate hearing more details about that. Uh, but feel free to chime in. Uh, your line should be open if you dialed in with a hand up. i like to share one if I can. Yes, sir. Yes. Um,
12: this week, um, relative, relatively smooth, um, my plan has worked with the white female on um, you no, know, doesn't come around talk about racism. Hi, Collins. See you later. Okay. That's it. Um, and I just wanted to say today I took the day off because I had to you know um to get my ID which expired and I had to go on to Jersey and my um stepfather is um pretty ill. He's been in a nursing home. Um and um, you know, my mother goes up to see him every day to make sure he eats and everything and she's been saying how he's deteriorated since the last time I saw him, which was a couple of weeks ago. And she's thinking he's given up. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to go there. And, um, man, did I see some serious workplace racism there? And I mean, you just think of, you know, um, these elderly people, some of them are pretty incapacitated, like my stepdad, but most of them are able to walk around and, um, they're, they're somewhat delusional. um, some of them are violent, you know, so, um, so I'm, I'm witnessing while my mother's sitting there and she's feeding him and I'm trying to have a conversation with, um, you know, with him to engage him and talk and everything. Um, there's a general white gentleman trying to change the television channel. And, um, everyone's been watching the movie that was on, was, on uh, what's love got to do with it with, um, Angela Bassett and, um, everyone was sitting there watching this movie and most of the people in the room were black. And he just said my time to watch TV. You guys watched it for a long time. And they're like, wait a minute, you know, don't touch it. So the nurse kind of intervenes and she's telling this guy. And I mean, just to have to interact with these, I didn't see any problems coming from the black patients. White people have so many demands and all the staff is mostly black. Uh, And these white people just run them ragged. I mean, um, and um, he tried to hit the lady um, when she tried to take the television controller away from him. And, I mean, um, it just broke my heart to see, like, you know, this is, they, they, don't, they don't stop when they're old and incapacitated and dimensional. Um, and I just uh, wanted to add that because I hear a sister come on all the time talking about, I think she does, like, some type of home health aid. And um, I I, I it would be similar to this, just not as many people in the room. But, um, I just thought of that, that's still the work is definitely, um, one that you deal with a lot of
1: racism. I mean,
4: I mean, ma absolutely. I know there was a, a lawsuit here in Washington state, uh, where they had a uh, white male. Uh, he had dementia and whatever other mental ailments allegedly. And, uh, Whatever his ailments were, uh, it did not disrupt his dedication to white supremacy because he had stated repeatedly that he didn't want any niggers coming in and working with him and coming. These are folks that are charged. That's their job to take care of patients like him. Uh, He didn't want any niggers to come and work with him. I think I read it on the program and it happened that one shift, there were no individuals classified as white working. Uh, And so they tried to send the lightest, the least melanated person possible Uh, To work with him and he had been, they had a record. He had been calling all the black staff niggers and all these other uh, racist names and what have you. And apparently the facility where he was at, they were complying with his white supremacist request that no black people work with him and uh, some of the workers filed a lawsuit saying that they were practicing racism, white supremacy and saying that black people can't work with him and you know all this other stuff. But absolutely, that is standard operating procedure and plays out in a myriad of ways, not just with uh, these racist elderly patients uh, and them practicing racism, but also the uh, black patients, non-white patients uh, that are at these facilities and the way that they are mistreated and the abuse that they have to put up with medical apartheid once again uh other folks who dialed in that we uh have not heard the key part i
12: left out was what he kept saying was i don't want to watch this black movie Mm.
4: no surprise there no surprise there uh other folks dialed in we have not heard from if y'all had commentary you wanted to share feel free Ma'am, I be heard? Yes, ma'am.
13: This lady in New York. Um,
4: so a little bit more volume, oh, please, ma'am, if you could speak up a little bit.
13: I'm sorry. This seems to be a recurrent theme with me in the volume. I apologize. Um, I hope that's better. Um, I agree totally with what Thomas just said and what you said um, about racism, even um, with people who have to provide medical care. We had a similar lawsuit um, about two years ago, a um, nurse sued one of the major hospitals. We have two major hospitals. And um, I was actually, well, maybe about three years ago, um, I was training to be an LPN. And, um, you know, that they, that's what the problem was, is that they would not allow her to provide care for certain patients because they requested that a um, non-black person provide care for them. And even with that lawsuit and I was, you know, doing my training, I was told the same thing in the psych department because I had a clinical in that department, a woman. um, I I don't really remember if she was, like, Polish or German or something of that nature, But um, I went to go in her room following the nurse that I was shadowing, and she gave me a death stare. And then I was uh, quietly told, um, you know, she didn't want any black people uh, to provide care for her, that she had been through a lot. I specifically remember that her religion was Judaism, i'm forgetting where she's from but anyway she didn't want black people to provide her care she had been through this trauma that had nothing to do with black people but still and i kind of was like oh yeah that's one less person i have to whatever um so so even in the midst of this whole story coming about the lawsuit they were still doing the same thing um i have just gained employment at a nursing facility again a nursing home um I think it was Tuesday that I got hired, and um, very shaky place. They had been closed down. Now they're reopened under a new name, how these nursing homes don't comply and they have to shut down. Uh, A relative told me about it. She works there. I did not tell them that my relative works there, and I don't know yet if my relative will be um, the one training me um, but they, it, it made me really nervous how they hired me right there. They're holding me there doing my background check, and um, you know I still really don't know what my shifts are going to be. Well, what my hours are going to be. I know I'm going to be working weekends, two um, twelves, and I don't know what the other twelve-hour shift is because I, I won't do more than three days a week if I don't if I don't have to. I was hoping to get two um, doubles at full time, but they won't. Uh, let me uh, get benefits and do that. So um, I don't know what the benefit package is. I don't know. I really don't even hardly know anything about this facility, Um, and I won't know until Tuesday during orientation. Uh, But, uh, again, my relative gives, you know, she gives um, like a good reference and says it's not as harsh as other places and as demanding. Um, So I'm trying to... Get geared up in my mind on how to be codified because, of course, um, all white women are in the supervisor roles and the rest of the staff is primarily black. Um, instantly, because I have a um, low haircut and I kind of have like a part now going up the side, all the white women were talking about my hair. Um, several white women, the day of the interview, were very interested in my hair, telling me they wanted to touch my hair. Um, Black people, you know, the rest of the staff made comments too, Um, but it was just a recurrent um, theme about my looks, and I thought that was a little bit weird for it to be my first day there and interviewing. Um, So I'm definitely going to get a journal ready and um, listen to some of the archives um, to make sure that I am codified because I know the white women have a lot of questions and um, they know how to kind of get things out of you that you didn't really intend on discussing. So um, that's it. I will uh, mute my line.
4: I did have a quick question. Uh, what uh, if any questions do you have uh, prepared to ask during your uh, orientation, I think that's one of the things uh, I certainly encourage in terms of part of our our codification having uh, some questions prepared. Any time that you're doing training for a new job, do you have any questions ready to ask uh, as you go through orientation?
13: No, I I don't have too many at the moment. Um, I am getting myself ready to start writing down the list. I just you know made my journal and picked out one. I'm going to do a little bit more preparation because I usually do a ritual with my journals. Um, So I have a few. My main question is, like, what is this other shift that I'm going to work because I'm going to be working 312s and now I'm just hired and we're supposed to figure out the rest later, which has happened before with these nursing homes. And uh, I still intend on uh, being a home educator, so I need it to be a set day. Um, and a specific day, and I don't need to be hopping around, you know, whatever day, because legally I'm not even supposed to – I'm supposed to provide um, education, like the homeschooling, five days a week, Monday through Friday. I'm not supposed to do four days a week anyway, and that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing now. So I really need to know, um, you know, what is what is my – what's my schedule going to be, and I need to be consistent, The other thing is um, I don't know anything about their policies, procedures. I I don't know what um, caused them to lose their license before. And if the facility lost their license, I know that some of the LPNs and CNAs have lost their license as well with them. Um, So that's really a concern. Um, They were asking me um, about if I wanted to pursue more training, which, of course, I do. But some of the things that she was saying she wants um, the staff to get training on is not in my within my scope and practice. So, um, you know, you have to be an RN to put in an IV, and she's talking about IVs, and I was looking at her like, "Oh yeah, we're going to jail. We can't do. We're gonna get this place gonna get shut down again. I cannot do an IV under any circumstances. Um, I can get." trained as a phlebotomist but as an lpn i can't do that so i'm definitely interested in um getting a handbook and looking into what their expectations of me are so um you know hopefully that'll lead to more questions and more clarity but i i'm planning on you know this weekend getting some questions down because i'm going to start tuesday so i hope i guess that was long-winded i apologize
4: No apologies needed. That's definitely the handbook. If you can get an opportunity to read through that before uh, you begin your your orientation, that would be outstanding uh, because I'm sure that'll get some questions. And just this is in general uh, one that I recommend for any non-white person if you are starting a new job just because it has come up so frequently on workplace racism the sexual harassment I think even you uh, lady had talked about uh, some of the sexual terrorism that you've experienced on the job before I would definitely encourage asking uh, and detailed questions about what is the procedure for dealing with any form of what they call sexual harassment on the job. And even you all can give specific examples. If somebody says such and such and such a thing, or if they do such and such a thing, what is supposed to happen according to policy and procedure? And I might even have my pen ready to write down exactly uh, what they say. I just, I think that is always a uh, excellent procedure. Just number one, it sends a signal that you're serious about this sort of thing. I think just, asking that those types of questions alone can be enough to stop people from coming at you in that sort of way. Just knowing that this person is serious about this and not being mistreated, uh, in this sort of way. Uh, and then also, you know, from the very beginning, what's supposed to happen. Uh, so, okay. Okay this happens, bang, you already know the procedure so you can get things started. You can go on the offensive immediately uh, if that sort of thing happens. So I always uh, encourage folks, males and females, uh, that is always an excellent question that should be asked any time that you start a new job, just so that you're very clear about their policies on any form of what they call sexual harassment.
13: Yeah, and I definitely want to follow up with the, um, you know, the workplace bullying, uh, workplace violence, because at the the job before that was a nursing home. that's when the person who was training hit me, and then the job prior to that was when the white male um was doing this whole crazy sexual harassment thing um so i I'm really when it's a majority of um black staff it's the dynamic is kind of different, and um i'm I'm definitely getting geared up because. All the super even though it's primarily black staff from what I saw from that first day, all the supervisors are like white females. I did not see one white male. I saw all white women um different ages, and then as far as you know, I saw a great variety of um black women black black men in different age ranges, but um mostly white women so i um you know i'm I'm very aware of how um they start off with a befriending and it changes to something else even though my cousin when we when I went there I'm sorry I um, think when I okay um so I was introduced to my cousin and she didn't say that we were related I didn't say that we were related and um when she said hello immediately this uh director was saying about how much trouble she causes how she had to speak to her so often But uh, she comes in and she's always picking up extra shifts so that's why we liked her. So I took a note of that and I was like, oh, okay. Um, And there was a lot of um, playfulness and silliness um, that I didn't notice as far as the exchange between the white supervisors and the black staff. But the recurrent theme was this one's a troublemaker, that one's a troublemaker, this one has a terrible mouth. Um, So I just was that is one thing that I did notice um, as far as with the white women in supervising. They would playfully say something negative about the black staff, and that was within an hour and a half of being there. It was just a negative comment, negative comment, but there was always a smile on their face. So um, I will definitely keep you guys updated. I start Tuesday with orientation, and uh, that last Tuesday through Friday, and I'll, Um, let you guys know how it went and what kind of questions I asked and maybe got some answers to.
4: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, Other folks, if you all have comments on what you've heard from listeners thus far or you have your own situation, uh, feel free to chime in. Certainly if we have not heard from you, uh, you should go ahead and speak up.
5: May I be heard?
4: Yes, ma'am.
14: Uh, Good evening to the hosts, the callers, the listeners. Um, Interesting kind of segue and piggyback to um, the previous caller. I recently started a new job and I and uh, my other teammates, I mean colleagues, we're on the same team. We were sitting at my supervisor's desk. She happens to be a victim female And so um, part of my job requires us to go out in the field and we have to attend to um, families. So we were actually at the job after five. We work um, non-traditional, but the the typical workday is nine to five. And so I was sitting at one end of my supervisor's desk and this white male, quote-unquote Jewish, He walks by my supervisor's desk, and I realized it was an accident. He hit me in the back of the head, like where my hair was at, because I had my hair in a bun, and he hit my bun in my hair. Didn't say excuse me, didn't apologize, and so he was asking for volunteers to go out out on the field with him. So I made the comment, well, you hit me in the back of my head, so... I guess I won't be going anywhere with you. And so interestingly enough, since I made that comment, this white man is creating a bit of a terroristic environment. He's trying to kind of intimidate me because the day after I made the comment, he kept walking by my desk. Now, where I'm seated and where, he, where he's seated are not close to each other. He would have to pass my desk to exit our office. However, he was, wa- he was walking in such a way where he was not exiting the office. So the following day after I made the comment, he had walked by my desk like, he has to walk to the front of my desk in order to exit. What he was doing was walking to the left of my desk. So when you walk to the left of my desk, we have like printers and scanners and copy machines throughout the office. But that, where I, where I sit at, that's not the nearest copy machine to him. He has like a copy fax and um, scanner closer to him. So throughout the entire day, following me making that comment he just kept walking back and forth passing i'm just sitting there really really cool i'm not um getting overexcited i'm just sitting there doing my work pretending as if he doesn't exist so um he is a white supremacist because he is married to a non-white non-black latina female so he definitely is no longer a suspect. He has a picture of his Latina wife um, kind of displayed very prominently um, near his desk. But one of the things that I've observed um, working around white people is that you should never, as a black person, never expect an apology from them. Never expect them to excuse or pardon any um, disparate behaviors. So um, I would always encourage black people that if a white person does something to you, Um, Take the proper channels to make a complaint. If you warrant a complaint needs to be made. I know in his case, it was an accident because he was kind of walking by really, really fast. And to me, even if you make a mistake, that still doesn't um, discount you from apologizing or excusing yourself. Because at that point I had a headache and even that tap on the back of my hair, not my head, it exasperated my headache. So, you know, people make mistakes, which is understandable, but not acknowledging and not apologizing or excusing your mistake. There's really no excuse. And that's all I wanted to share. Thank you.
4: Hmm. I think uh, some other people have commented about uh, being bumped either deliberately or accidentally on the job by whites. And there was no uh, excuse me, my bad, forgive me. That just didn't happen at all. Uh, did folks have any suggestions on how to deal with that sort of situation on the job? Cause I think we have heard other callers. Can I had, be yes, sir. Yes, I'm sir. Sorry. Oh yeah. I just, I didn't have a suggestion cause
12: I don't know how to deal with that situation. Um, uh, I, all I can say is um, that as a black male, was to accidentally bump into a white female on a job, that brother better be very apologetic. It would be uh, expected, or that person would be in big trouble. So I just, listen, I was just shaking my head, like, you know, no respect. You know, I just hit a nigga in the head. You know, I don't got to apologize to her. And um, just, I don't know how to deal with that situation. I hope someone does. I'm
8: going to listen. can I be heard? (laughs) yes sir uh, yes I I've, uh, would have uh, went directly to that person and uh, put it in the term of a question did you know that you uh, touched and or you know I don't know I don't know what the, what was the most accurate terminology uh, whether it's touch or hit did you know that you hit or touch the back of my head and from it, I have a headache. Or you know, if, if it was something that some sort of uh, uh, stress that was caused due to the uh, the uh, uh, infraction on the back of her head, I would I would have mentioned it directly to the person, and then uh, whatever the answer was, not to help them with the answer or reaction that they would have to it, and from there, maybe it would be something that, uh, I would, I would, would do or not do after du- asking them a direct question on the subject. That's, that's, Thank that's not as far as I can go on it right now. As far as that concern, you Thank know, and you take it from whatever, it, uh, because, because and this just my opinion, uh, what, what was what, what was your what was your reaction to it? Uh, I, I just forgot it somewhat.
14: Oh, my reaction to it was um, he just walked by. I mean, it was it was a bump. It was a bump because it wasn't extremely hard or anything, but he just kind of sped by. And my reaction was he was asked he was requesting a volunteer for something, and so I said, "Well, you hit me in the back of my head, so I guess I won't be going with you."
8: Okay. Well, the something
14: along, mm-hmm, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
8: The 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 additional comment, uh, the way it's it sounded in its frame was for him to uh go on the go on the offensive uh right. with you further uh in my opinion. Uh as opposed to as opposed to uh just ask just, just making him aware. Just making the person aware. Hey uh uh I you hit me I, I think you hit me in the back of the head. And it, it may have caused me to be a little bit dizzy. Uh, are you aware of it? You know. And then from, like I said, it, this is most important to let the person answer and don't help them with the answer at all. And then from there, you know, it may be some kind of uh, progressive uh, response. I don't, I I don't know what it possibly can be because there's so many different scenarios on what it can be and matter of fact the the reaction that you that that you were expressing to us, you still may get the same thing you still may get the same thing, but it would be it 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 would be interesting on what would be the reaction that would come from it, or it perhaps even bring it up into a uh a meeting Bring it up in a meeting you know as far as that concerned you know uh Uh, without necessarily calling the person's name.
14: I appreciate that. I really wish that that was the approach that I took to it Um, because I even did think at one point in time to maybe approach the person. But I think at that time, I was just so kind of aghast at the whole thing. Like, how is it that you bump into someone and... You can't even, you don't have the common courtesy. And I think that that's where I was a little, I was very put off first, as I mentioned before, I had a headache. And so that even though it was a bump and it was something that was pretty slight, it wasn't really hard, it did exasperate the issue, but I just was really... Just kind of turned, yes. just kind of put off by the fact that someone could be so inconsiderate and so rude. Because right. I know how I know how I am. Like if I accidentally bump someone, I'm always, you know, apologetic. I apologize you know, I pardon myself. Right away. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like I said, accidents do happen, and I understand that. But um, I, I appreciate it, and I think you're absolutely correct that I should have taken that approach. But I can't really say, but cause what's done is done and I really appreciate it. And next time going forward, that's the approach that I would take. Thank you.
8: I, I just wanted to, uh, mention, uh, about the, uh, I, I heard about the two, uh, uh, popular, uh, experiences that I've been listening to, uh, the one with the, um, uh, the staring and also with the, the uh, Possible violence, workplace violence, starting with the, the staring part. Uh, with my experiences, uh, you probably would get it in, uh, in 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 a professional large fire department if you work for administration. Uh, uh, to where the, it would be noticeable because that that's the closest thing that I can think of that's close to what most people have on a you know workplace, a nine to five type of situation, office type of situation. Uh, and it's, it's no different with the fire department, with a, with a large professional fire department. The only difference is you have a specific uh, uniform and rank and that sort of thing. But I can see where that would take place there, which I don't have a whole lot of experience in working in. But in a fire station, in a fire station, oh you got plenty of alternatives to where someone would be staring at you. You know, uh, because uh albeit, you know, with with uh the emergency calls where you don't have that much time to be staring at anybody in between, uh, you know, from you doing your station duties, uh, which take place in the morning and whatever activities that you may be responsible for. On a job like that, and perhaps some other jobs, you should have a a a work list of your own that you you may you you should be doing. For instance, on the fire department, you know you, you may be interested in in uh, uh, studying for a uh, a test that would give give you uh, a higher rank or some sort of certification that you w- would be pursuing. And you will go somewhere and study. There's plenty of places you can go, you know, including your bunk. And then nobody will be coming in there, you know, as far as they're concerned. And, and, and do it without uh, impunity, you know, coming into your, your personal space, so to speak. It's almost like somebody in front of a lot of people reaching down into your pants. You know uh which I'm not saying a white person can't do it w- wouldn't do it, but it probably would be a, uh, one of the lesser things that would take place as opposed to other things that they could be doing to your detriment on the on the job uh with the uh the violence uh there's plenty of opportunities on a job like the one I retired from to get killed uh but for the most part. When you're out in what they call working in the field, uh what is constant is you're always doing something of an emergency with someone else. So therefore, regardless if you you uh like one another or dislike one another, that person depends on you, uh, so to speak. Uh, if you are on the fire truck, there's four people uh the only person that doesn't go into the fire would be the driver, and for the most part, the driver's not going to be messed with because he's he's holding those other three people's lives and his, and his own life in their hands at the time uh with the three guys going in the fire they they definitely depend on one another as far as they're concerned uh and i've i've like I've been been into fires with white people who will come right back to that fire station and practice racism. Uh, but on that fire, uh, they, they would have to be somewhat aware of me and what I would be doing. It depends on me also uh, from that standpoint, in order to get into that fire and get out of that fire alive. Uh, it's, not, it's Like I mentioned before, it's not guaranteed uh, when you have something like that. Uh, so, That was a means for me to somewhat avoid, although there, like I said, there is some situations where you got to be real careful about and be conscious. What happened with me, I made, I made it my personal business to when I showed up to that job, I had, I had, I had my quote unquote game attitude going on for that 24 hours for that, for that, for that, for that, 24 hours. I had I had that going on, you know, uh, as I was steadily becoming more and more, well, less and lesser of being confused about the global system of racist white supremacy, or what potentially could happen. And that's all I have for right now. Thank you.
4: Mm, I did uh, want to make note the passive aggressive response because I think the female caller when she said that this. Suspected racist bumped her, and she, you know, pointed it out. You know, I won't be volunteering or signing up with you or what have you because you bumped me on my head. Uh, and then it seems like there's been some passive-aggressive response to how he is maneuvering in the office. That seems to be pretty typical. I think I've we've heard that from uh, quite a few listeners before, where a white person on the job, if you point out that they have. I violated policy or mistreated you or just sometimes it doesn't even have to be that it can be something really small uh, where they perceive up this nigger has gotten out of line or I don't like what this nigger did and now we're just going to do little tacky things to try to annoy and aggravate them that is a very common tendency uh, on jobs. It doesn't, like I said, there doesn't even have to be anything to provoke it, uh, where racists, uh, just start doing this, just anything to agitate, agitate, and annoy black people. That's why I said it's very important to have that in mind. I think a lot of times you can behave, you can function much better in responding to these type of things where you're not caught off guard. I hear that so frequently on the job and elsewhere where we're surprised. We didn't expect Racist to be mistreating us. We thought that, you know, this was just my buddy. These were my pals. These are my colleagues. Not thinking that they are dedicated to practicing racism, white supremacy. So that's why I really try to emphasize that consistently. Even if things have been going well, if you've been on your job for a long time, a number of years, and you haven't had any instances, that's great, phenomenal. I hope it continues that way on up until you, you know, retire, until you decide you don't want to work there anymore. But I think it would be best if a system of white supremacy does exist. And I say it does. It's obvious. Then we should just have that in mind up front uh, that you really have to be mindful, vigilant, observant and prepared for any individual classified as white to practice racism at any time. I'm not surprised I was expecting this. I think that'll put you in a much better frame of mind to respond to these type of incidents, to already kind of have ideas about how that's one of the purposes for this whole broadcast just kind of have that in mind uh what to say what not to say how we want to deal with these sort of situations because you can pretty much bank on the fact that they are going to happen it is just a matter of time unfortunately um there are other folks that uh if we have not heard from you and yet uh go ahead oh, was, that Roz? was that ross was that ross were you yes i
9: Yeah, I did. um, I want to comment on this, but I also have my own um, observations from work and um, I wanted to present that, too. But to speak to what um, the female caller was talking about and the firefighter in Florida, um, I agree with him that the best approach would be a direct approach. Um, I think just based on how she said she responded to it, um, I always say that white people are always psychoanalyzing us. And in that response, saying, hey, well, I'm not going to go out with you. You know, I guess I'm not going to be going out with you because, you know, you bumped me the back of my head. Even though, of course, if it was said to me, let's say, in a job, it would just seem like something where she's telling me I did something wrong, but in a non-offensive manner. What he interpreted it as was, oh, this actually gets on her nerves, obviously, because she said what she said. And he used that as a means to, like you said, um... uh, perform racism in a passive aggressive manner what i find is when i have experiences like that it tends to be on the train um or traveling to and from work because um sometimes you end up sitting in the the seat that's in the aisle and you have these white people coming through the train with their bags and they're just you know taking your shoulder off and you're sitting down you're out of the aisle nothing no body parts exposed per se but they're hitting you in the head and what i do is i address it directly and what I find is that they try to play like you don't exist. So in other words, as a black person, you are, it's like uh, Richard Wright, the Invisible Man. You do not exist at all. But the moment I do not move out of your way or I address you and say, um, you know, why is it you have to touch me? they stop and they'll apologize immediately because they knew they hit me with the bag in the first place and just me addressing it in a serious manner makes them and this has been my consistent experience with them every time or even when i'm walking they'll just like cut you off or try to walk in front of you and you know and i'll just address it immediately and once i do that they'll oh oh i'm sorry and then they'll keep walking so it's something that i think once you address something like that in a serious manner even if um because i know you said that you had the headache prior to him hitting you Regardless of that, the fact that it agitated your headache, I would have addressed that too because that's a potential medical situation. What if you had some potential acute um situation and him just doing that triggered an aneurysm or something? So I would never take that as something light. I would address the medical aspect of what the person did as well. Um, So I did want to chime in on that because I experienced that quite often and that's how I deal with it and literally without fail every time it's like they act like you're not there but when you let them know that you're there and you address their ignorance and their racism right there on the spot in front of other people they immediately just oh oh I'm sorry oh I didn't know you were there or they'll make up something and apologize and just walk real fast try to get out of there so that's something that has worked um for me also to give you just an update. Um, yesterday I found out that my supervisor is leaving. She got another job. Her last day will be, uh, next week, Friday. She is, uh, a lesbian female. She, from what I know, she's a, she's been a phenomenal, uh, supervisor to me. She's helped me quite a bit. Um, from what I know, she was promoted faster than any other person. She got promoted to a supervisor in less than two months. She also had more people that, that she groomed and prepared to take, um, upper level positions and supervisory positions in other departments, they said she actually actually had more of her agents uh, promoted than any other supervisor in the company and as the company made stupid racist white supremacist plantation decisions that were not positive for the people who um, basically handle the accounts every day like myself, she's taken the brunt of a lot of things because a lot of management people have left just due to the changes that they've made and the things that they see coming down the pipe that they don't want to have to deal with. And um, when I talked to her, because actually I'd never seen a black person on that job get the the, uh, respect and send-off that they did for her. Um, They had a a meeting with all the people in the the department. Um, One of the VPs of the company came down, uh, and literally, it was like a big to-do, because she literally has kept things afloat in that department and I think the pressure just got to be too much because of how much they were using her and she made the proper decision to make a transition so I was really um, happy with for her with that and um, I'm going to be sad to see her go because now I'm going to a, have a white female supervisor who is the original supervisor that um, I worked with when I first started working there so she wasn't bad to work for in the past but bottom line is I don't like working for white people and especially white females that is the most uh, disgustingly Hacky situation I could think of, but I'll work it out until I get out of there. Um, the other thing that was I found very interesting too was that I was talking to a coworker of mine, and we've had a couple of quite a few conversations about racism, white supremacy. He's a young younger uh, black male, um, very intelligent, extremely uh, studi- uh, studious, and just understands quite a bit. and He's helped me quite a bit with um, different situations. He's uh, one of the senior reps in the job. So uh, recently, I I talked to him about the show, and he's definitely interested in learning more about the show. And also, I've talked to him about my writing, because I do quite a bit of um, counter-racist writing. I'm, I do a lot of uh, essay writing on uh, racism, African history and culture, and hip-hop's connection to African history. And I gave him two essays that I, that I wrote on racism one dealing with racism in education. So he just read it uh, between yesterday and today. So I went to see him today to get some help with the situation, and he, he told me, hey, I just finished reading your essay. This was, um, it was extremely, you know, um, constructive. He said he thought it was brilliant. And um, there's a proverb, an African proverb, that I learned in initiation that I used to introduce the piece. And essentially he said it made him think of a racist, racist encounter he had as a kid that's haunted him for most of his life. And I said, well, what, you know, what happened? So he told me that he was a young man, uh, probably, I guess, elementary school age. And he went to this all-white school. It said He said it was only him and another black male in the school. Everybody else was white. And he said that there was a clique of popular white males that he wanted to become a part of because... He just felt like a, pretty much an outsider to the way he was being treated and the way things were happening. Um, so he just felt like those were the people he wanted to ingratiate himself with at that time, just to alleviate the discomfort he felt as far as being in that all-white environment. So he said it was roughly maybe eight or nine young white males in this group. And he started to spend time with them or whatever, and they actually came to him and said, oh, um, in order to you know to join the clique, you know we have we have to put you through your paces, and essentially all of but his paces were was hazing. He said he went through all kinds of hazing. he didn't give me any details, but he said they literally hazed him for i think he said uh, i think he said like week a week or two a week or two weeks, and he said that they recorded everything whatever they had him do, they recorded it. He gave me one instance where he said they made him spread mustard on both of his arms and run around the block. And they literally recorded all of this stuff. So he said, everything they had him do, they recorded it. So he said, um, a couple months down the line after he, you know, they so-called allowed him into the group because he went through all of this hazing that they put him through. Um, a white guy said to him, you know, you're the only person who had to go through all of this to join the group. He said, what? He said, um, he said, yeah, he said, you know, we were just, you know, messing with you and laughed it off and walked away. And he said that situation has haunted him his entire life. And he said just reading that essay, cause the, the essentially the, um, the proverb basically speaks about the conditioning of white supremacy for us to think that we're a part of the system. And then they show you what being a nigger is really about. And it's just presented in a very profound way. And he said that that stood out to him because that moment flooded back to him. And I I found that to be very interesting. So I'm going to facilitate giving him information on the programs. He's very interested. We talked about that. And then lastly, um, I was talking to a coworker yesterday, blackmail. Um, this is after my supervisor had announced she was leaving and he pulled me to the side. He's another, you know, brother that I've had a younger brother, he's about twenty six, and we've had quite a bit of counter racist conversation. Um, and he told me he's leaving too. He's actually his last day is the same day as my supervisor. And um, he actually told me that the place he's at is still hiring. So I'm trying to see if I can facilitate transitioning because the way he described the situation. It seems to be um, decent and better than where I'm at now with good good pay. So I said, okay, I'm going to look into that. So I started facilitating the process. I'll let you know about that. And um, then I have another black male who's a supervisor who also is dealing with another company that wants him to build his own team if he takes the position and I'm one of the people that he's looking to because of the quality of my work to reach out to, as well as other people in our job here that, um, he can bring along if this thing works out the way he's hoping that it does. So that's my update. And those are my
4: workplace racism experiences. Thank you for um, taking my call. Nice, nice reading and writing more important than watching television. Uh, and, Sounds like even some black people looking out for one another in the area of labor, uh, to improve their employment situation. That is always good thing. Grand, grand to hear. Um, did I made the same, uh, error. I was listening to the archives and I referenced invisible man. One of my favorite books, uh, all time. We've discussed it on the program before. And I said Langston Hughes for some odd reason. That's uh, Ralph Ellison. Don't know why, uh, Oh, yeah, my bad. I said Richard Wright, didn't I? My bad. I've been in the same boat, sir.
9: Uh, Oh, yeah, one more more thing, too. I remember, um, just to touch base on, um, I brought up the situation with the um, black female whose daughter was pregnant, and she was trying to uh, facilitate looking at what they wanted to do moving forward. Um, I happened to call her back, actually, um, this past Monday just to check on and see how she was doing and whatnot. And her response was just utter shock, but positive shock. She didn't expect me to call back, but I just I said, hey, I just want to touch base. I want to make sure everything's okay. Did you get all the help that you needed? Was there anything else that I could do to help facilitate, you know, this request, or did you have any other requests? And she said no, but she was just so thankful because of the attention to detail that I even thought of on a level to say, hey, let me just reach back out and just make sure everything is okay with you. And if if that you know if that is okay. Um, if there's anything else that I can help you with, cause I knew the situation was kind of touchy for her. So I just wanted to say again, um, you know, we just never know the impact we can have on the lives of other black people just by being concerned and just, um, you know, just reaching out and showing that you care in some form or fashion. Thank you so
4: much. And I'm sorry for, um, chiming in again, Gus. I mean my line. Ashe, Ashe, a little black self-respect, helping out other black people. Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, we have other folks, uh, had commentary they wanted to share, either comments on what you have heard thus far, or if you have your own situation to touch on. Again, no spectators. Uh, we have a lot more folks listening than commenting, so if you have workplace situations, uh, past or current observations, feel free to share. And certainly, if you have figured out some strategies that work for neutralizing racist activity on the job, or even conflict with other non-white people in the job, because I know that's a regular problem as well, definitely chime in the number six four one seven one five three six four zero and the code is five six four nine four three pound make sure i acknowledge mr edward williams listening in uh, as well founder counter-racism.com counter-racism.com com. Excellent counter racist material there as well. i uh, been a guest on the program. We've discussed his book, which has a lot of suggestions for dealing with workplace racism. Uh, other folks uh, who chimed in, uh, if you all have commentary you need to share, feel free. Hey, have you heard? Yes, sir.
15: Oh, yes.
16: Thank you, sir. Uh, greetings to us, the host, the listeners and callers. I had a few observations from the past week. Um, uh, First and foremost, we had a meeting about a week or two ago. Yeah, about a week or two ago, where um, I I noticed something was uh, a bit different about this meeting, because like a lot of the um, most powerful people in the office weren't really present. I guess they were off doing other more important things abroad the office and the uh I guess the next um mo- most powerful person there uh the personnel person that was there. She was I guess presiding over the meeting and she was just getting a bunch of the uh milestones and the, the usual uh repertoire of the meeting out of the way. And, you know, she she mentioned my name and mentioned that uh that I had been transfer to another department i guess just to add some uh office news in there so you know i raised my hand to you know recognize myself and all of that and you know after that it was just this this silence you know and i just felt this this sense of anxiety you know and like i, I wanted to say that because to, to illustrate a point about these environments when you have uh a mixture of uh um, a, a large uh, white presence with a a smaller non-white uh, presence mixed within that, and you have a bunch of people, like, standing next to each other, you know, and, you know, this lady, she says, says, man, you know, why, why is everybody so quiet, you know? And I've been there, like, over, like, five and a half years, you know, and I never heard her say that. She's like, why is everybody so quiet? And then one of the supervisors, she just says, Oh, you know, it's been a a long week. And then she just says, Oh, well, let's everybody just clap because it's been a long week. So just, it's like tacky. Like, that's that's what I thought about the three T's. And, you know, the people, like I said, the tension uh, around the area, you could just feel it, if I could just use that term. And, you know, the people not really liking each other and all of that, which is natural under these conditions. But, you know, everybody is just, just uh, very silent, very quiet. And the uh, white male supervisor, he just comes out and says, oh, you know, you can go to... <laughs> he, he he just started just coming up with this humorous talk, you know, a bunch of rhetoric, like em- empty, you know, empty language. You can go to suchandsuch.com and sign up. He said his name, .com. Everybody just starts this this phony laughter you know, I have to mention it like that because it's, you know, it's not, it don't seem like it's authentic, like, like that, um, that phoniness. So I guess she was trying to say that, to, uh, to get people to, I guess to be humorous, uh, laugh because it, it was very quiet, you know, and after the meeting was over, she was like, oh man, that's the most boring meeting ever. And she just went back to her office and everybody just went back to their apartment. And, um, uh, that that was my my first uh in observation. The second was this uh white female you know she's usually sitting in a break room and uh she's usually having a conversation with this other white female, and she said something about man, you know what they ought to do a a testing and she looks over and she she said this before she said, you know what blank i you know I know this is racist and, you know, I apologize. So, but she says, uh, you know what? They ought to do some kind of testing about birth control, about who are the recipients of birth control by race. So she didn't really go into detail about that and nobody said nothing. So, I guess she was just saying that just to get a response, you know, so I don't know if anybody's ever dealt with when somebody like preface a statement like that and, you know, try to apologize. Like that's just showing in my opinion that you can't really be ignorant or you don't have no knowledge about what you're thinking. You know, you had to think that before you said it. So that was was the second one. And the third was this uh, another white female that I have been, in this new department with, and this two other black females. Like she came back from lunch break and she was saying like how she had just seen a whole bunch of police cars at a taco bell. She got food from, and I guess she knew this black male that was working there and he was outside like standing out there with his arms, his arms folded. And she told me that, uh, he was working in there and a black female came in at a order food and they, uh, a, a white man was standing behind a uh, suspect a race sol- soldier and i guess you know he got irritable and he became angry with the black female and he said you know hurry up you black bitch now this, this is what she told she told me and uh and she says this black male you know he he walked up to the guy you know, and he started you know having a choice of words with him and this guy he calls the uh the police you know, law enforcement. And she told me it was five squad cars for one person. So that had to, like, I'm thinking, hey, that was a a white person that called to report that. So he had to give a description. So based on that, they sent five officers there, five squad cars for one person. So she was saying, like, yeah, you know, he's real cool, you know. Yeah, he's a thug and all that. But yeah, he's really cool. So. I guess, uh, that, that was an example of black self-respect, but I think she, you know, using that cold word, "thug," she pretty much revealed her own racism. So, um, other than
4: that, that's pretty much all I have this week. Thank you. Hmm. That is, uh, that is fascinating. Um, on the, the first situation with the meeting and, you know, I guess people not talking and that being a problem. That seems to pop up all the time uh, for workplace racism. Uh, people are being quiet. I think that was even in the, the written statement uh, with the doctor, the black female, wrote in where people were being quiet on the job. And, you know, someone said, oh, my gosh, maybe someone is going to get fired today uh, with just an interesting observation uh, where that seems to be one of the few times where if it's quiet, that is a problem. We need to get people talking even if they're talking about nonsense uh just you know bringing up silly stuff making up websites and what have you that's that's better than people just being quiet i think you'd even said before uh on the job where you would asked where they were having another one of these meetings and you asked well uh are we going to be doing anything constructive uh and the immediate response was no we're not doing anything <laughs> constructive like that seems to be a recurring theme on the job uh talking about nothing doing nothing of constructive value just wasting time and a lot of phoniness and pretense uh, i think the triple t's were were already referenced uh, and that almost seems to be standard operating procedure on the job lots of fakeness phoniness talking about nothing and pretending that we are really bonding that you know we're we're having some sort of deep uh intimate conversation um with the, the sec or even before that, with the, the situation about the, uh, I guess it was a, uh, suspected racist white female where she was saying, uh, I guess she prefaced it by saying that she, she knew what she was about to say was racist. And then she went ahead with her, her commentary about, um, they should have some sort of, I guess, testing about birth control, uh, and doing it by race. Uh, and I certainly am always of the opinion, Hey, you don't have to say anything, uh, on the job. Sometimes, Uh, that is the best route to go. Nothing need be said. If you want to document exactly what was said, date, time, all of that, that's fine too. That might be one where you could ask a question. uh, What problem is this supposed to solve doing this test to get this information about, you know, what race are the people that are using birth control or why should this be done? Uh, And just see if she'll give a little bit more. And that's just more information to document so that we get everything that she was trying to reveal Uh, talking about birth control and race, uh, because that sounds like we're tiptoeing into uh, Lothrop Stoddard and the uh, eugenics uh, in terms of uh, we've got too many Negros. Uh, I don't know if that was was where she was going, but that might have been one to ask a question uh, particularly if everybody else just went silent um, and had had no comments uh, or you know no no input on what she uh, what she offered in that statement but again saying nothing is always uh, a route that I encourage because uh, sometimes that's the best uh, best policy um, if uh, other folks uh, have commentary on anything that you have heard thus far if you have your own situation uh that you want to make sure you get to share. Uh feel free, chime in. Uh you should be with us. Just please make sure you don't wait till the last minute. Uh anybody that we have not heard from at all uh should be with us. Can I be heard? Okay. Yes, ma'am.
10: All right. Uh good night, everyone. Um I had a couple of stuff happen this week. So uh Monday I went to work. Apparently, I think uh what's his name? The same boat ran Sunday and he won the race. So I went to work on Monday. The engineer that I work with mostly comes to me and he's like, yes, yes, Gus, yes. <laughs> Anyways, um the uh the engineer that I worked with he uh, he came to me and he's like, Oh, you know, you guys did it, you know, you guys did it And I'm looking at him like, What are you talking about? And uh he's like, Oh, you know, you've seen both. he won the race, you know, he's so fast, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, all right. Okay. And I, I told him like, you know, I'm not watching the Olympics. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, and he started talking about, um, how much money he would get and stuff like that. Then he comes the next day and he's like, oh, you guys did again, get one more gold medal. And I'm like, okay. And he says to me, he's like, oh, so, uh, you don't care. I said, no, I don't care. And um he says to me, Oh, but he's like, Oh, you don't like your same boat? I said, you know, it's neither here nor there, I don't really care. Um, I said to him, I don't know what your same boat running in, in Brazil getting a gold medal has to do with me here <laughs> at work. You know what I mean? Um he says, uh, you know, but that's that, that's your country man. I said, Yeah. I said, you know, it's just it's just entertainment and he ended talking to me by saying, "Yamon, yeah, I hate <laughs> I hate when white people do that fake Jamaican accent. Uh nothing happened now. So there's this non white male at my job. They would call him Latino. Um and I just got that got, got at my job, um, you know, I used to like, you know, he used to talk to me. I used to talk to him. He used to like, you know, greet me, shake my hand and stuff like that, but not like shake like a regular shake, that kind of, you know, that like grab the hand, come in almost like to an embrace kind of thing. All right. So that was happening. That was happening. And I realized that this guy, like his his whole language was like changing. Like he he, he was cursing a lot when he was talking to me. And um he was like he's like a, a supervisor for the production floor. So what happened was um I I I uh I have to interact with him sometimes to so like give him like a uh fixture that I build for for production for the use for testing. And I had to go over there to um I have to go over there to get I think I have to get like a, 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 uh, an adapter from him. And um I went over there and I'm like, you know, I need such and such an adapter. Guys, is it okay if I curse, or should I uh, uh, edit myself?
4: Let's hear it. Let's hear it.
10: All right, so I will go over there and I'm like, you know, I need this doctor. And he's like, "Oh, you fucking thief! You here to steal my shit again?" And I mean, this is on the whole production floor. He said this to me, and I'm like, "Yo, all right." <laughs> I'm like, "Yo, okay. Um, I don't know how to deal with this." I'm like, "I'm just gonna let. I'm gonna let that slide." So I got the adapter, went back, to, I went back to, uh, to my, to my, uh, to the other building and what I was doing too, which I, I stopped doing right now was I used to, I bring my soccer ball to work. So I, cause I, I, I play juggling stuff, do my breaks. And what, what was happening was I was, I was bringing the ball over production and like, uh, do my break and stuff. I would, you know, bounce the ball, or pass the ball with them. And, um, <laughs> I'm passing the ball around with these guys. Then this guy starts to like blast the ball at me or kicking the ball really hard at me for so I don't know for what reason this dude is doing this, and I'm like, okay, so stop doing that. I see him the next day, he's coming to me to give me a dab. I said, no, he said, what he said, you know, what happened? I said, the other day, I was. You know, we are outside playing. You kicking the ball really hard, I don't know why. You know, what I mean I'm like, yo, that's not gonna work. He says to me, Why are you being so serious? I say to him, That's a problem. I should have been serious from the get go. I shouldn't have been playing around with you guys. I should have been serious. So since then, it's all about business, so only about work. When he comes to me, it's about work, he goes you know I mean? That's lovely. I like it like that. Uh, what else? And uh, one more one <laughs> one more, <laughs> one more guy again, the Yemen thing. Uh, so I'm with this, this, this engineer. Uh, you know, told him he knows I'm from Jamaica. I think he was from, from somewhere in, the, uh, in uh, Eastern Europe. I'm talking to him. He saying, you know, he's been to Jamaica and stuff like that. I'm there. He says, Yemen. Yeah, I said to him. I said, I know you've been to Jamaica. I said, You say you've been to Jamaica. I said, You I know you don't hear anybody in Jamaica talking like that. Why are you talking like that? He says to me, Oh, uh, yeah, I don't hear them talking like that. But um, you know, when I when I'm in the hotel, I think the uh the uh I guess people who like clean the room and stuff, uh I think they're trying to put on and, and they and they and they talk like that. I think they're trying to put on and he goes into Another thing, talking about the, uh, the origin of the word man and just some so other stuff, uh, some other stuff. And I just sort of has been pra- in practicing racism trying to switch it up because he, know, he knows nobody talks about in Jamaica. That's just like white people garbage that they, they, they push on TV and stuff like that. And my last story, this happened today. So I'm at work today. I... Um, I'm charging discharge this battery and I have to make a graph for the battery. So the internet comes and I'm showing him the data for the graph and stuff and I'm like, you know, I'm saying to him, you know, this this data that you're looking at, it's redacted, you know, it's not it's not um it's not the original. And um he says to me, redacted. He's like, redacted, like he's like, What does that word mean? And he's like, spell it. He <laughs> said, What does that word mean? Spell it. I'm you know, Explain to myself what's called the word. And uh, he Googles it. He Googles it in front of me and he's like, oh, it's a word. I'm, saying, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yo, yeah, it's a word. And he's like, oh, I learned something today. And um, that's it. Thank you for letting me share.
4: Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is uh, such a bounty of. Uh Racist workplace experiences. I can't say with the with the ball situation, I'll just comment real quick, the ball situation and the, the profanities, the ball situation first. I can even give a personal gusty renegade workplace anecdote. I think I've shared this before, but it might've been a minute. So maybe, you know, newer listeners might not have heard it. Um, that playing around, uh, balls, games, stuff on the job, man, I discourage that, you know, mightily. Uh, nothing good can happen there. I remember this was years ago before the cows existed. I hadn't, you know didn't know about mr fuller's work super confused we were on the job in training no less hadn't even officially started the job so we're in orientation and they had uh they had like lots of games and stuff uh we were working with children so uh the children were not there obviously in the training but still they had lots of uh toys games balls stuff like that uh at the facility so this was in the morning before we started the training. It was maybe 10 minutes before we all got started. So we're just people are just sitting around. Some people are eating breakfast, talking, whatever. A group of us, we're kind of over to the side because this is a very large room. And they have uh, like a soft, uh, some of the Nerf footballs that are not as hard as the ones that you typically play with outside. So we're just throwing it around in the building, messing around, waiting to get started. The suspected racist who is in charge of the training. This, this is like a mm I put him in his fifties fifty year old white guy he joins our little group of people that are throwing this ball around, so I throw it, and then someone comes over to talk to me, so I kind of pull myself away from the group to talk to this person uh so i'm clear I'm not looking at them i'm not I don't have my hands up or anything I'm not participating in the throwing anymore at all because now i'm turning i'm talking to this person all of a sudden. The white dude, he throws the ball, hits me in my face. It's like, oh, my gosh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were still playing. And I'm like, I've totally turned like I'm not looking like anyone at all. If you participated in these sort of sports or anything at all, you can tell when someone is looking and they're, you know, alert. They're paying attention. They're looking for the ball or when they are totally not even turned facing you and they're talking to somebody else. You can tell. Uh, and even at that time being super confused and the whole nine, I felt like this guy did this on purpose. I don't think this was an accident. I think he deliberately just wanted to hit me with the ball. And then he came and apologized and, Oh, I'm so sorry. We were doing that this morning. I apologize. That was really messed up with me. I should have paid uh, better attention. I'm so sorry. And I learned my lesson from that point forward. Like do not, I do not participate in any of that sort of thing. I feel like it's just inviting tackiness, whether they start throwing the ball in your direction really hard or they have a whoops, I thought you were paying attention type moment, any of that, even later on the same job they had uh, during the summer, like right now, they had like a faculty a uh, cookout get together type thing that was doing work hours so it was like mandatory that you go for at least you know a limited amount of time and they started playing basketball i'm not playing at all i'm not shooting a free throw i'm going to be sitting right on the sideline until it's time to go and i'm not even sitting close on the sideline cuz you can still have those whoops sorry and you get hit even if you're sitting in the stands so i discourage all of that it's just uh we did not come to work to play soccer unless You are Michael Jordan or LeBron James, where that's your job. Serena Williams is to come and play tennis or whatever you're doing. We came to do a particular job, not to play ball. That would be my recommendation for the job with the profanities. That's the sort of thing. And I think Mr. Williams has talked about this before in terms of, is this how we talk to everybody? So if the president of the company comes in, that's how we're going to talk to him. Hey, MF. What are you doing? Talking to the, that's the same way If we're not going to talk to everybody like that. Then why are you talking to me like that? That's one I would try and document. Like if you got that uh, device that I mentioned at the beginning where you can tap to get a recording uh, of that or write it down immediately. What did you just say? And write that down. You can get them to sign it. Is this what you just said? And write that down. And that's one that is a beautiful one. You can use, if you all have any sort of meeting like a public meeting where everybody's present, including this individual, and you can say to the person running the meeting, if that's the manager, supervisor, whatever, uh, Miss Smith, Mr. Johnson, is it our policy and procedure that we are to talk to everyone, anyone in the company in the following manner? Uh, and I'm just what he said, hey, motherfucker, you're supposed to come and steal our shit again. That's the way that we're supposed to talk to people on the job and see what they say. Beautiful illustration and just have them lay out their policy for that sort of language in the work environment. Uh, other folks have uh comments that they wanted to make sure they uh get in what you've heard thus far if you had your own situation you wanted to share hey guys yes sir I don't have here um
9: oh. i'll just that's one' this, i'll be really brief um what the previous caller was just talking about really um is interesting because um I've, I've discussed the fact that I'm of Caribbean descent, so usually when I'm talking to anybody in my family, it's like an automatic reflex that I start speaking in Trinidad in Patois. And um, on a couple of occasions on previous shows, this is many years ago, where I would be talking to my mom or something, she would call me, and I would just, you know, immediately just start talking to her. And white people had never heard me talk like that. So to hear me speak like this, they couldn't imagine me talking like that. So, all of a sudden, they're tuning in to what I'm saying. They couldn't really understand what I was saying, but they were still tuning into it. So, after I get off the phone, you know, ask me ask me a question. So, I said, yeah, I'm a Caribbean, saying blah, 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 whatever. You know, I was talking to my mom. And I said, that's, you know, it's just, it's just a natural reflex for me to talk to my mom in a language that's comfortable. So, um, all of a sudden, it's, can you do that for us? I said, no. I'm not. <laughs> this is not, you know any sort of acting gig where I'm going to just give you the satisfaction or like, like the female was saying where they're going to come around a hey, man or whatever the case may be. Cause half the time too, I've had them say, and I've, I've experienced this too, where anyone from the Caribbean is automatically Jamaican, no matter what Island you're from. If you're not the Spanish, if you're an English speaking Caribbean person, they will automatically just ca- classify you as Jamaican. So um, definitely that sort of tacky trashiness is very, very much expected and um that was just an incident
4: that she made me think about in speaking uh talking about what she did. Thank you. One four nine one, caller one four nine one. Do you have commentary, sir?
11: How's it going, Gus callers? Good evening. Uh, I'll make this brief. I'm just kinda busy but I didn't want to be a spectator. Um Tuesday I had an incident. Uh and I, I guess like I can say, you know, I'm a testament to um you know the fact that uh, documentation really works. Uh, I have a uh, white woman that I work with, and my my boss is a, a white male, and uh, both of them suspected racist. Um, I had an incident, and I'll try to give you the, the brief story. Uh, I received an email a little while back saying that um, the white female needed me to do an audit, a training audit. And she needed me to complete it by September. Well, recently she told my boss that she needed me to complete it by the first of August. And um and so once I re I recently completed it maybe a week ago and uh he came to me and after seeing the audience and saying it was a good work, but I turned it in late. And I had to kind of correct him, I was like, Well no, I was told to do it by uh September and he was saying, Well, you know, the the white lady's name, her name is uh and he was saying that um she told me that she wanted me to get it done by August. So I went ahead and had to pull up the, uh, the email information. I guess they didn't expect me to keep my emails and, um, you know, uh, all filed away and stuff like that. But, you know, after reading, uh, uh, Mr. Williams book, you know, I learned how important documentation was. So I've been keeping my emails and stuff. And, uh, that was one of the things that kind of got me off the hook and, you know, turn the spotlight back on to her. And, you know, I got out, I guess you could say sky-free um, until next time, until they feel the need to mess with me again. But uh, that's all, and I'll meet my line. And uh I want to say it was a
4: good show, good
11: conversation going on. Thanks
4: documentation stress that all the time on the broadcast extremely important that's in mr williams book mr fuller talks about that all the time i think a lot of folks uh can testify that that has uh been a big benefit uh, if you can say in particular if you stay on a job for a long time if you can have documentation this happened 10 years ago has the policy changed from there excellent excellent uh and and those uh, if they're making tacky remarks or if they're cursing, that sort of thing can be great to document that as well. And just keep a little file uh, together. Uh, you can keep it. I would encourage not keeping that sort of thing uh, on the premises where you work. Because it's been my experience that uh, racists can be kind of nosy uh, and I would just expect that they're going to snoop around uh, either in your desk or your office area, or your workstation or whatever it is. So I would not keep that sort of uh, information uh, where you work, I would keep that in your residence, or maybe lock up in your, your vehicle, the trunk of your vehicle, or whatever the case may be. But uh, always great uh, to keep that information on hand, and you can use it at your disposal. Uh, other folks uh, who have commentary uh, on anything that we've heard from our listeners or if you have your own incidents you would like to share, feel free. Here? Yes, sir.
7: Yeah, I just wanted to say something about the Jamaican, um, uh, Jamaican, as well. Me and my fiance, we've been to um, Montego Bay flight for vacation, and at um, one particular time we were there, there was this couple, um and they, I guess they were trying to mimic the language, and um we could tell that the waiter was kind of, I mean, he was trying to make them feel comfortable because that's his job, but he was, like, uneasy with it, so... <laughs> Me and my fiance, we were over at the other table. We just started to talk pretty loud, like, um, about um, how people get the braces and how they can, uh, do language to be racist and do things make people feel uncomfortable. They started to look over at us. Uh, they noticed that, that we were talking about them. That made them extremely uncomfortable. They started to, like, turn pink red. They, um, took their food fast and then they, they, they didn't sit around to, like, eat at the table. Um, but, yeah, they, they do that pretty often. Um, I guess, like, uh when you're a tourist and you get on, like, the, the bus with the toy guides, I guess they kind of try to encourage people to have fun. But it's not really fun when, you know what I mean, you know that you're being made fun of. And sometimes you tell, like, the people, they, they're feeling happy uh, when they do it. But, like I said, uh, we were trying to try to help uh, the gentleman out at the time. We paid them feel
4: uncomfortable. So that was our last year. Black self-respect, outstanding. That is something I would encourage. If you, uh, if you yourself are not on the clock, right? You're not uh, on your job, but you see another black person and they are working, and you see racists, uh, some whites practicing racism. If you can intervene. Outstanding way that you can practice black self-respect and do some counter-racism because we're not just doing this just to sit around and know something. Like you can apply what you have learned. I think we even had uh, one of our listeners last week where they talked about that exact situation. Uh, they were not on the job, but they saw a black person. Uh, he was a barista. And uh, some tacky white woman was there and being really rude and went and tried to report him to the manager. And they intervened uh, and called out what this uh, suspected racist white woman was doing and uh, told the manager to try to help that black person out uh, who's on their job. Uh, That is outstanding. So I would say even be on the lookout if you can. Uh, when you are not on the job, if you're just out and about, if you're doing whatever you're doing and you see a black person who is working and they're being mistreated, if you can find a way to intervene, if you can report it or whatever the case may be. Beautiful, beautiful opportunity for black self-respect uh, and an opportunity to practice your codification counter racism. Uh, other folks have commentary they want to make sure uh, they get it. Feel free. get uh everybody everybody satisfied nothing else they want to make sure oh uh the person at four two three one four two three one did you have commentary you wanted to get in yes can i be heard yes sir oh, excuse me
0: uh, peace to the callers to the host and to the platform and uh so my workplace racism I would I wanna just talk about uh like weekly they have like the walkthrough of a uh, like a Catholic type person and um you know, maybe they're there to help you, but like if they feel like, you know, you're a threat or something like that or whatever you talking to them about, you know, they'll turn you in or something like that, and they can't really help you with, you know, major life issues, but they walk around and kind of patrol the people, you know. To me, it seems like, you know, I I view that as an act of racism, white supremacy, because I could just see that happening on the plantation or currently happening on the plantation, where, like, I'm at work and, you know, just trying to do my job and, you know, here comes the, you know, the Catholic, you know, person, you know, like, you know, look at all these heathens or, you know, stuff like that. And that's just, like, you know, something I was thinking. But another thing also is, like, the color code that we have at our job. Like, we wear, like, um, hard hats and you would think that the, if you're a white hat, you would be at the top of the scale, but they actually use the colors where the white, you know, is at the bottom. And then, you know, if you got a real high skill job, allegedly, then you got a black hat, and then, like, all of the other uh, colored hats and stuff. And I just seen that as, you know being significant to the system of racism and white supremacy like you know looking at it both ways like you know let's look at it with the white on the top and you know do the color scheme down and then let's look at it from the opposite way
4: and then that's all i wanted to share Very interesting indeed. I just was reading uh, the ISIS paper, rereading uh, the ISIS papers this week. Dr. Welsing talks about that, uh, that you will see that uh, reversal where generally in the system of white supremacy you would expect uh, the color white to be associated with the most powerful, the highest uh, position of authority that you could have, but you do see that reversal uh, frequently where the judges, uh, they're in black, if you are getting some sort of uh, degree in education or what have you, you are wearing black robes, not white, uh, that sort of thing where you do see that reversal uh, in color Uh, and what that means for her theory of white genetic annihilation. Uh, other folks uh, have commentary they wanted to make sure they uh, get in. Uh, the caller, I guess you're on the vote line. Did you have commentary you wanted to share, sir? Yes, I do. Good evening to everyone. A um, little bit more volume, please
6: speak up. Absolutely. Um, good evening to everyone. I wanted to share a couple of things. I'm sure if, um, if I was less confused earlier in my life, I could probably share dozens of other um, workplace uh, racism experiences but uh some things do um occasionally pop up that that has that have happened in the past but anyway uh this is about a um a former coworker of mine a uh non white black male uh he was um due to get some um disciplinary actions um against him by you know some senior again i'm a military guy, so there was a, a white um manager. Um, that was really, you know, trying to get this uh, black male in trouble just for very, very minor things, very minor things. So he managed to uh, get this uh, black male to go to a uh, a disciplinary review board um, with other, uh, I guess, managers from um, other uh, different workplaces, and they all just kind of sit around and you know, I guess uh, ask this uh, black male questions and determine if um, they're going to continue onward or continue forward with uh, with further uh, disciplinary actions. But anyway, so um, this black male and this white uh, suspected racist um, they had to travel to a different location for this disciplinary board, um, and of course, well, I want to say of course. The white male traveled by himself in his own vehicle. Um, the black male that's going to the uh to be disciplined was riding along with another uh, black male in another vehicle. So I guess he was kinda like his escort or bailiff uh, however way you want to look at it. So um the two black males were riding in one vehicle, white racist suspected races were riding in another. So they get to the location. They drive, and then uh, the white male, you know, they arrive at the location. The white male gets out and asks asks the um, the black male that was uh, driving the other black male that was supposed to get in trouble. Hey, what what is he doing? What what type of mood is he in? What's what's going on with him? And the uh, black male replied to the uh, white manager like, uh, "Yeah, he's okay. Nothing. We just, you know, we had casual conversation." Nothing. So basically, the white manager was trying to get some sort of, uh, trying to see if his terroristic behavior was really affecting and um, I guess causing some type of stress or anything. And uh, uh, the black male, you know, he didn't get too stressed about it because even he knew at that point that um, even though you can still get in trouble, but he knew that the uh, the the offense was so minor that it would probably uh, most likely get dismissed so uh he was and then a white manager was kind of disappointed there was a look of disappointment on his face like oh man you know uh i'm not bothering um this uh black male and then so and also so he started having a conversation with the uh, black male that's supposed to be getting this uh disciplinary action he was and you know he tried to talk to him like he was concerned like hey you know i'm doing like i'm doing this for your own good and uh, i just want you to I don't want you to, uh, I know you're gonna be getting out of the military one day, but I, I don't wanna see you sleeping under a bridge uh, one day. I really don't wanna see you sleeping under a bridge. And um, so, the you know, the black male told me about this, you know, after all this happened, and I was just like, you know, wow, you know, practicing racism as usual. Um, he's trying to act like he's expressing concern, but he's really trying to um, get this uh, black male in trouble. So and um I have another story that was in the past too. Um I was out um doing something which I shouldn't have been doing was, which was playing paintball with uh coworkers, a group of coworkers. And of course there was a, you know, a, a decent number of, of suspected racists there. And anything with suspected racists, uh males and females, but definitely particularly males, they really really get excited about anything that has to do with any type of firearms or even if they're not real firearms, they're really, they really love that. So, um, we're playing, you know, whatever. And then, uh, they stop playing, you know, they have referees or, or so to speak that, uh, monitor the games, they stop the game. And then I'm, uh, in close proximity to a, a white male and maybe very shortly after the game stops, he shoots me in the in the uh, neck, like close range, like point blank range. And this is again clearly the play has stopped, and he shot me. You know, I was I was I, don't know, I guess I was doing pretty well, but he shot me in the neck. And um, I always and that, you know your story, the uh, female story about the soccer, and even your um, story, Gus reminded me of this. And I even at that point I was a lot more confused, but I always felt like this. A uh, suspected racist just had to take a cheap shot at me, you know. And then I think they're always trying to see, again, if you're going to, you know, quote-unquote chimp out or, you know, act like a, you know, uh, a nigger or anything, just act crazy or something. So they do anything that they can do to terrorize you at all levels. It doesn't matter what you're doing. They're going to be um, trying to be terroristic uh, when they're doing it. And that's all I have for now. Thank you for letting me share
4: Standard operating procedure. those paintball things hurt too like that's uh that's the sort of I could easily see uh where a racist would do that sort of thing. oh, you know, we're just horsing around blah blah blah, but i mean those if anyone if you have played uh it is not fun uh getting shot with those i don't know what type of protection particularly if you get shot in the neck area because a lot of times you're not even supposed to be aiming that high it's supposed to be you know chest lower that sort of thing um that is not that is not that's just an act of terrorism uh in my opinion to be shooting someone and particularly after, i think they even have rules about that sort of thing like if the game is done and we're not playing you're not supposed to be firing anyway so that's just total deliberate act of terrorism uh in my opinion um let's see other can i comment on that yes sir
12: yeah I would, yeah are right like, those things hurt and i can't imagine getting hit in the neck and i think i would have shot him i would have shot him in his neck back, yeah, like, like i was playing but hey you shouldn't the bell go Uh i just think uh you know i would personally um i think the, the caller said it but I mean, I would not go to any type of gun range or any type of paintball, any type of activity like that, in particular with white people. Because, um, you know, next thing you know, you could have, like, a one of them turning to Dick Cheney and they pulled out their real gun by accident and shot you. And, oh, I thought it was my paintball gun. I just don't trust them. And um, I just feel like um, that was done intentional. And um, you had the right to intentionally shoot him back in his neck because that hurt
8: I I have a comment. Yes sir. Yeah I, I I appreciate the the uh caller's uh honesty uh to uh state that uh his uh, presence was reg- regrettable. Uh because it, uh you know when all of us at one point in time you know have uh different levels of uh understanding of the system of racist white supremacy and and uh you know to to mention about your your uh your past or even present uh in corrections uh and uh, work towards uh uh becoming codified is is uh it it help, it helps others as well as yourself. Uh I myself uh uh used to have the thought uh because the police department uh quote unquote police department, law enforcement actually, uh, uh had had uh uh four padded uh football games that they would play. Uh and uh the fire department also thought about it. Now my myself I I uh, I I wouldn't say I was the best football player to ever live, but I I was good enough to play college football and i had in mind at that time a while back that if they did have full pads uh i would have joined it in it on purpose just to without any questions to hit to hurt to harm some white people uh within that environment uh but uh you know as as you last mentioned as you get older you uh you learn that the it's best to uh Stay away from uh, anything that has to do with uh, outside of the job with white people. Uh, And uh, that was my thought on it when when he was talking about uh, his his experience with a paintball.
4: Yeah. For sure. I'm even reminded of uh the great jim brown who many folks would say was the best football player his workplace racism where uh even his own teammates were not out for his safety so i definitely would uh man you end up going to do that sort of thing on the job and the whole everyone is trying to hurt you (laughs) i could totally see that being exactly the way uh the way it goes uh the uh the caller at eight two two three did you have commentary you wanted to share eight two two three
15: I do, uh can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Uh hi hi Gus. Hi uh hi, everyone. Um, this is my first time sharing. I've been listening for a little while. Uh I never chimed in. Uh but yeah, just you know, a couple things from uh, you know, my experience on the job. Um, you know, even I guess to uh, my last job, you know, at one time I used to sell software and uh you know, I just I was so tired there's just the racism on the job, I quit. And now I sell, uh, I'm a freight broker. You know, I sell, uh, you know, transportation at different companies. You know, I just completely change the field. Everything, I just couldn't take it anymore. But, um, you know, some of the things that happen on the job right now, um, you know, just, you know, I'm not the most codified person in the world. Uh, but, um, you know, I work for a small company right now. Uh, I'm in the sales department. And, uh, you know, just kind of seeing uh, some of the brothers come in, And, uh, you know, they are just, so they go so far off the script, you know, if they don't get the paycheck, then, uh, and I'm the only brother in the office, you know, but if they don't get the paycheck, then, you know, they start threatening the owners and everything else. And then everybody kind of looking at me in the office, like, yo, is this how y'all behave? And I don't, you know, I don't know how to deal with that sometimes. Uh, another thing, um, you know, I have uh, myself and one other person, a Russian girl, the company I work for, at Russian. Russian. Uh, so um, the, there's a Russian girl who was hired the same day I was hired. Uh, since we started, I've brought in every customer to the company, you know, and there hasn't been many, maybe five or six, but these are large, com- you know, large companies that have uh, started using our service. She hasn't closed one bill. She hasn't brought anything to the table. And they just keep finding different ways to move her around the office, in order to keep her there. She's she's in payroll now. I mean, she's she's done everything. She's never worked in sales before. Um, you know, and I have the strangest feeling that she's, you know, even making more money than I am. Um, you know, it's just, you know, those those kind of things. Uh the last thing I wanna share is um, you know, I'm looking on LinkedIn today, you know, and uh and one of something came up from her timeline. And, uh, you know, she's one of these people where, you know, she's always trying to speak to, you know, uh, those around her, me included, you know, uh, from a position of authority. I question her on it all the time. And, you know, she, you know, she'll back down and then come back later, you know, in a different way. Uh, But uh, one article I saw that popped up on her uh, LinkedIn uh, timeline is uh, it was an article entitled, you know, seven things women can do to become successful like white men and I didn't know what to think of that. I you know, I don't know. Maybe y'all can give some input on that, but uh that's what I have. Hmm.
4: That is interesting. I would uh I'd have to see the article uh to give a a comment, but uh, just my interpretation that would uh in the system of racism, white supremacy, white men white females, they are uh equal partners uh in dominating they have arguments, disagreements, uh, about distributing that power from time to time. Uh, but I would assume I would just decode the title, having not read it as a uh, racist woman, uh, looking to be just as powerful, just as manipulative, just as conniving uh, in a system of racism, white supremacy. Um, I'd have to check the article out to get get a few more details. And I would totally assume that that white woman, regardless if she she could even cause them to lose some customers, that she is probably making more money than you and that they will have way more patience with her than they would with you or any other non-white person uh, on the job, regardless of your performance and how many contracts Uh, You brought in that's just standard uh, standard operating procedure Uh, with the first portion. when You said, uh, I guess, some of the other black people that were there. If they didn't get their paycheck or there was another problem, uh, they would get upset or threaten someone. Not the most codified behavior, I reckon, I would say, uh, where they would then look at you uh, and say, oh, is this how you all about now? I don't know if they said that directly. If they said that directly, I would have to ask the question, what do you mean, y'all? you talking about specifically just to get them to be as explicit as possible. Again, this might even be something I write down if they had made that sort of comment specifically y'all, uh, to just get them to, you know, explain all the way what it is that they are, uh, saying, uh, I will take this moment again to say, I know for some people they would make an effort to try to reach out to some of these other victims of racism to try to, uh, encourage them to be a bit more codified in terms of how they handle these situations. If there is a problem so that they can get the problem resolved in the best possible way without creating new problems. I also know that we have a sizable chunk of listeners who take the opposite view that they're not going to intervene at all, that we are all united independent. And yes, these might be victims of racism, but There can be a lot of conflict. Generally, there often is a lot of conflict amongst other victims of racism on the job. So they're not going to intervene at all. Uh, You know, you make whatever uh, decision that you think is best for you, whichever choice you think is most logical for you. Uh, But I do think that that happens on a regular basis in terms of other victims on the of other victims of racism on the job. If they do something and whites are displeased with what they did, then they will apply that to you or try to get you to comment on it. That sort of thing, I would definitely make it a part of your code that I do not have any comment about any other victim of racism on the job. Because I do think they try to bait us into doing that on a regular basis, uh, talking bad or joining into some sort of discussion, putting down uh, the black people. I think even the female caller who just started her job was saying that the the white women on the job, that they were mocking, talking bad about some of the other Uh, black female employees with a smile they'll try and pull you into that as well uh, and then wait for you to leave and then they'll start talking bad about you got it got it yeah i do my best
15: to you know uh you know I, i never comment you know whenever they have anything to say about the people who come in and they have problems if they abandon trucks whatever it is i do my best to just keep my mouth closed if i have to put my headphones on and just do something else altogether, you know i do. i I go about my, you know, my my uh, day to just avoid them and, you know, minimize, you know, contact as much as possible with the people in that office, so. Yeah. Smart decision,
4: smart decision. Frank, first time caller, I forgot to acknowledge as well, always grand first time callers. Hopefully we'll have more, particularly around the workplace racism situation, because as I've stated, we have many more spectators than active participants. And this is not a spectator broadcast. Uh, This is, you know, sharing. I do think it's helpful. Many folks have said if it's not constructive, then, you know, don't waste your time and energy. But it is very uh, helpful uh, for other victims of racism to hear. Uh, the type of difficulties that we experience on the job, and then coming up with just strategies, different techniques, uh, ideas for how to, to uh, resolve these issues without creating new problems, and to hear how frequent uh, the things that are happening—that this is not an isolated incident. That a lot of times, these racists are doing the exact same thing, and all over the world, where you're hearing the same exact type of scenarios. I think that's important too, just showing some of the patterns in terms of how racism, white supremacy operates. Uh, We have uh, roughly 10 minutes. Uh, Folks have anything else they want to get in last 10 minutes, commentary on what we've heard, or if you have your own things, situations you want to make sure you get in.
12: Yeah. So the gentleman who
4: called in and said that,
12: um, the white female said she didn't mean to be racist, but, um, she wished that she could stop some people from having kids. And, um, I think that my response to her would have been, you know, I agree. So, what people are you talking about? Stop having kids. I'm, I'm sitting here with just thinking, like I wonder who she was talking about, like, you know. And I, I think that that definitely would have been my next question to her. Um, but that's all I have. Thank you for the show
9: tonight, us. Hey, I just wanted to chime in um, to the. The um, black male who was shot in the neck with the paintball gun, I don't know how you were able to keep your composure, but it's a good thing that you did. Um, it made me think because um, Thomas and I were talking about looking into uh, like firearms, stuff like that, as far as looking into learning about them and how they work and, and being taught. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm not going to any gun race with Chris Kyle, you know, standing in the next booth ready to blow my head off. And I don't know he's doing that. So I just, something prompted me to look online. And I was able to find um, an the African-American, um, it's an African-American nationwide gun club. So they
16: are out there.
9: and I believe they have chapters all over the place. Um, so definitely it's something I just wanted to put out there. If anyone else was interested in that and wanted to, um, learn more about firearm safety and, and, and just how to protect yourself in that manner. Um, there, there are organizations run by and for black people specifically to learn about gun safety and things of that nature. So I just wanted to chime in with that. He made me think about that with that situation. Thank you.
6: I wanted to, um, pose a question for people, um, especially on, um, social media, particularly Facebook, um, I don't interact on it very much, but I see some of my, you know, mostly my some of my former co-workers. Now, and of course, I know you, you're not supposed to just accuse someone of being racist, but I see, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, just questionable uh, suspected racist um, comments that are put on Facebook. And, um, and I, I think that I want to, sometimes I think, Hey, let me just delete these people off of there, but I actually keep them on there just to, I want to kind of monitor them and just see what the latest racist rhetoric is. But, um, but I've been tempted maybe just a couple of times to like, you know, do a print screen or just take a, uh, a, a copy of their comment and, and actually try to get these people reprimanded but I just I think I I thought against it because I think I'd probably be wasting my time because again you know it's kind of very very hard to prove someone's racist but there's definitely some comments that I see and it's just I'm like man I really I want something to happen to these people but you know I'm just wondering what what do people think? Again, no one's just saying, Oh, I'm going to kill these niggers or anything like that. But it's just like, you know, their, their usual code, um, coded language that they use. So
4: thank you. If anyone does have any type of suggestions for that, I would definitely encourage, uh, a screenshot or five. Um, and not even from the standpoint of, I'm going to take these, you know, images of their comments, Uh, See if I can get them fired the next day. But that's the sort of thing, particularly now, because, I mean, you see this frequently, Uh, even uh, I've certainly seen it with uh, white employees on particular jobs. So they posted something online and they ended up getting transferred. Uh, But even some students who have gotten uh, in trouble for this sort of thing, I would screenshot it and save it. That way, if things do become an issue on the job uh, down the line, that can just be additional ammunition where if they did something on the job or if they did several things where there's been a pattern of incorrect behavior, or if, even if we're talking about, they've been doing uh blatant explicitly things that could be classified as acts of racism. And then you have these comments in addition to that, where you can show a long running pattern of racist conduct, racist speech uh, with regards to an employee. I think that could really strengthen your case. So even if it's not, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would strategically look at from the perspective of I'm trying to get this uh, this person uh, fired like right now, uh, this week or what have you. I'm going to take their screenshots and go in and see if I can get them some sort of punitive action taken on these comments that they've made online. I would certainly uh, squirrel that away. Screenshot. Boom, boom, boom. Screenshot. Screenshot. uh, And then down the line, if something does happen where they're trying to mess over you on the job or do something to you, you can add whatever data you have about what they've done on the job in addition to. And I have these Facebook comments as well to add to, uh, you know, a record of incorrect conduct on their part, if that makes sense. They also have a website now that this white person came out with
12: called Hello Racist. And um, you're supposed to be able to go onto that website and um, put down people that you think are being racist and show your evidence. And you could put the screenshots there. You could do it anonymously. And I'm not sure if that's something that um, employers look at or will potentially look at when they're going to hire people. But with the way that they're cracking down on uh, the racist rhetoric in social media, um, I think that it it is something that can potentially harm them in the future. I'm not um, I have to look into that website, but they do have one. I remember reading an article about it a couple of
7: weeks ago. Hey, Gus, can I ask a question real quick? Yes, sir. Hey, I was wondering if uh, Thomas in New York or Rob was familiar with the Ironbound section in uh, New Jersey? I'm familiar with Laura. Yeah, down there they have, um, there's, uh, I forget the website. My brother had told me about it, but there's a guy who actually owns a range, and uh, he, he does those classes. older guy he kind of looks like uh bill cosby a little bit but um i know a lot of people that go that go there to get training and stuff like that and um i've never been there i go to uh heritage field um eastern pa but i travel back and forth from um north and um pennsylvania so um yeah you guys can try that one out too if you guys are ever in the area i'm looking to check that one out as well sure um um, Gus, can you please give him my email
9: so he can just send me the information? I'd love to look into that.
4: Uh, I reckon if he emails me untiljustice at gmail dot com, I can forward along. Thank you so much. I appreciate.
7: It. Yeah, Gus, Thank I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you an email. Thank appreciate you too. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem.
4: Appreciate it. Uh final comment before we wrap up anybody anything uh last comment they want to get in before we conclude Folks satisfied? We got everybody. I don't think we missed anybody who had a hand up. I'll assume everybody is good for the day. Uh we will be here tomorrow uh for Blood Brothers. I think this is our 6th Study session, and I did get an email from Randy Roberts, uh, who is one of the white co authors of the book. Incidentally, he's the suspected racist who uh, is in the Jack Johnson documentary, Unforgivable Blackness. He's in that. Uh, He's written quite a few books uh, dealing with racism, white supremacy. He's written other books about Muhammad Ali. He's written about Jack Johnson. Uh, He's the co-author of Blood Brothers. I did uh, invite him to the program and he said he would be down to participate. So we will see uh, if we can have him on the broadcast later in the month. Uh, For folks who have been following and voicing, in my view, their valid, shrewd observations about how uh, Professor Roberts and his co-author Johnny Smith, how they have practiced racism, white supremacy in the writing of blood brothers, the fatal friendship between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. But we are closing on the end of the book uh, tomorrow, same program time, 8 PM Eastern 5 PM Pacific. uh, Once we nail down a date and time, perhaps this will make it uh, more enjoyable uh, for folks who said that this has not been as fun, just the way that they have uh, constructed this book, uh, reading about these uh, important uh, victims of racism and how these Uh, suspected race soldiers have uh, constructed this narrative might uh, make it more of a worthy investment of time and energy to be able to prep to ask questions uh, of one of the co-authors. But hopefully we can make that happen. Uh, I will let you know as soon as we get a firm date and time for Professor Randy Roberts' visit. Uh, We'll be here on Saturday, compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, We'll catch up on uh, news events from the last seven days on the plantation. Thanks everyone for dialing in grand uh, hearing from so many folks, new callers included. Uh, We'll be here again next Thursday, same subject matter workplace racism. Hope it has been a constructive investment of your Thursday evening. I will say again, sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. We really want to make sure that we are lucid so that we can make Phenomenal decisions at all times uh, to keep ourselves as safe as possible, uh, particularly if you're going to be in a vehicle. If you're out and about, that's as a driver, passenger, even as a pedestrian. You do not want to be under the influence of anything and bump into Darren Wilson, Daniel Holtzclaw, a white person with or without a badge can be a life ending, life altering situation in about five minutes being under the influence of anything is not going to help that situation play out any better Uh, I would encourage buckle up every time you're in a vehicle let's do everything we can to minimize contact with race soldiers and again take it seriously one of the worst combinations in the known universe whites alcohol should be avoided at all costs many times nothing good happens there uh, for black people Uh, with that creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately context of white supremacy signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed
7: i'm a victim brother
4: you a victim
7: i'm up. a
4: victim
9: of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my condition Uh Even my conditioning has been conditioned.